0: Welcome to the Four Downs Fantasy Podcast. I'm Kilby O'Rourke. I'll be your host. With me, as always, is Mr. Late to the Show, Scott Smith. And then I also have with me Mr. Andrew Scherer. How are we doing today, guys?
1: Doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. I uh, concluded a 12 team draft. I drafted AJ Green in the sixth round. Did I get a good value, Scott?
2: AJ Green in the sixth round? Yeah, a little early. <laughs>
1: I, I I completely like, it's something we'll probably talk about, you know, as the season, as we get these ranking previews done, you know, we'll talk about draft strategies. Man, I went Todd Gurley and Melvin Gordon. So we'll, we'll see what happens there.
2: You only live once.
1: But, you know, that's, <laughs> that, that's, this is gambling after all. Am I right? So let's just, you know, shoot for the moon.
0: Yeah. Well, you never know until the season shakes out. That's all I can say. So we're going to move into some news real quick here, guys. Not a lot to really hit on. Um, We're going to start out here with uh, Antonio Brown. The saga is continuing on. We've had the the whole cryogenic, uh, frostbitten situation going on there, and now he's left camp because he wants his old helmet. And then it goes back and forth as far as the NFL has told him that they have denied his grievance and now it's come out that they have decided they will allow him to wear his old helmet if he can find one uh, within uh, eight to nine years. It can't be any more than ten years old. Um, Scott, anything you got to say about this? I just think
2: Antonio Brown's a fucking maniac. It's the best <laughs> way I can put it. I mean, it's it's all about AB <laughs> all the time and I mean, at this point, I'm tired of talking about him on the show. We'll probably have to talk about him again next week when we get into the wide receiver show, but it, it's just, uh, it's exhausting at this point in time. I'm I'm over AB. I don't want him on my teams. I'm just tired of him.
0: Brown got everything he wanted. He got out of Pittsburgh. He got an, a a new and better contract out of the Raiders, and now he starts all this mess. It's like, what's what's going on here? Moving on, we've got some preseason action that we just moved into. A lot going on there, some people standing out. Andrew, is there anything in particular in the preseason that has stood out to you so far?
1: Yeah. um, I mean, I'm not going to talk about James Winston being awesome on his first drive because I'm just not going to do that. We already know how awesome he is. But uh, what piqued my interest was James Washington. I think um, Pittsburgh – uh, you know, we've talked about it before a little bit, and we're going to touch on it more um, on Thursday's wide receiver preview. 160-something targets are missing from Antonio Brown's departure, and someone is going to take that. It's either going to be Dante Moncrief or James Washington. And Washington looked good. Four catches, 84 yards, a touchdown. He made a phenomenal catch. So uh, that's that's something I want to keep my eye on. I think uh, Washington is basically going for free in uh, most drafts. So James Washington, I want to keep an eye on on that.
0: Yeah, he definitely looked really good in that first preseason game. Scott, anything that stood out for you?
2: Yeah, I've actually been uh, really impressed with what Miles Boykin has been doing over there in Baltimore. And if you look at that Baltimore wide receiver core, you know, specifically the wide receivers, he stands out in the sense that he's got a body that's different than the rest of these guys. We're talking about Willie Sneed. Marquise Brown is, you know, getting slowly worked back in, but. They really took to him and played him a lot and, and focused on him on that week one against Jacksonville, and, and he looked good. He had a, he had a touchdown call back from a holding penalty, nothing to do with his fault, but he ended up with a stat line of uh, four receptions on nine targets for thirty nine yards. But if you watch that game, that doesn't tell the whole story. I mean, the guy gets open. He's hard to jam at the at the line. He's got all the athletic ability in the world. And while everybody was sitting there drooling over DK Metcalf, Miles Boykin quietly put up a, a phenomenal, phenomenal workout you know, during during the combine and everything. And I, I just think he's positioned himself to be a starter there with the the Baltimore Ravens and I'm gobbling him up in every dynasty league I can. And, you know, I think he's somebody that needs to be on your radar late in these drafts and we need to definitely watch him for the rest of this preseason.
0: Yeah, they definitely target him quite a bit with those nine targets and getting a lot of extra reps out there with Marquise Brown being out. I think it's done well for him. A lot of praise coming out of that camp. One thing that stood out for me is watching the San Francisco wide receiver core uh, we just got news coming out that Trent Taylor had to go on, undergo foot surgery for a broken foot, putting a screw in. Uh, Timetable there is up for grabs. They say there's potential for him to be back for week one. Another thing that's standing out is everyone's had Dante Pettis uh, keyed in as the number one there in San Francisco, and that doesn't seem to be the case. He hasn't had a very great uh, training camp. And uh, Kyle Shanahan's even come out saying that he isn't guaranteed a starting spot. Uh, He played out in the first preseason game. He only had one target. And something that stood out there was the fact that Debo Samuels looked great. He had, what was it, two receptions for 61 yards. And then you had Jalen Hurd step in who played primarily the slot position at Baylor. And he ended up with... Uh, what was it two three three receptions for 31 yards and two touchdowns so uh, really good see little really good debut for those guys right there with Trent Taylor being down and Dante Pettis not really performing now i mean George Kittle's going to be the default number one in that offense but i just think it's going to be very interesting to see how that wide receiver core shakes out
2: yeah for me in this situation looking at it you know we had our our tight end show last we had our tight end show last week, and um, I just think it's it, it's more of a reason to kind of bump Kittle up a, up your rankings and, and solidify him as the number two guy after Kelsey. The one problem I have with Dante Pettis is he just doesn't have those alpha wide receiver one traits. So to me, he's more of a complimentary guy, so... I've always kind of thought it was a bit of a stretch to have him there in that that wide receiver one role. I still expect Kittle just to to run this this receiving core and and get all the targets there in in San Francisco and put up another monster here.
0: So we're talking running backs today, guys. Uh, one of the things we wanted to get into real quick, uh, Andrew brought this up, is zero RB strategy. Is it still viable in today's NFL? So there for a while, running backs were starting to taper off as the league was moving to a more pass-heavy uh, offensive schemes. And people started basically not, t- not taking any running backs, just loading up on wide receivers and taking running backs later on. The question here is, Is with the resurgence of the running back position, is this still a viable strategy? Scott, what do you think?
2: For me particularly, I absolutely think zero RB is still a viable strategy. I, I, I'm in the camp that you can win fantasy football with any strategy. You just have to be keen on picking the right guys and, and make sure that your roster construction you know, has a specific strategy to it. So even with the running backs coming back and, and dominating, like it or not, Wide receivers still are more efficient as far as putting up fantasy points. You know, points per touch are, are definitely higher catching the ball than it is running the ball. So wide receivers also tend to get hurt a lot less than what running backs do. That that position just demands a lot more physical, you know, toll on the body. So for me, I'm still on, on board with, uh, you know, 0RB. Zero R- zero especially if I'm drafting late, I'm more than happy to, to pick up a, a start where, you know i'm getting say hopkins and juju or obj and you know mike thomas i'm happy with that start i i don't think you can go wrong, wrong with those guys I, I think it's you know it's a solid solid way to start and i'm more than happy to to go that route what do you think andrew
1: yeah so i i think really if you're not picking in that top four range in a draft i i just think going zero RB is kind of almost the way to go I think in my opinion I think you look at the guys like Hopkins Adams and even for me uh, I think Scott as well Juju Smith Schuster I think those guys I think you could really just looking at the ADP I think if you're picking in the middle of you know your draft you can go Adams or Hopkins and you know on the swing pick depending on how it drops depending who you're drafting with you could be staring at Juju you could be staring at Odell Beckham I think those guys have Top receiver upside, and I think you know if you go wide receiver, wide receiver, start your draft. Come back on the uh, in round three. I mean, you'll be staring at guys like Josh Jacobs, who I know Scott is high on this year. You'll be scaring, staring at guys like James White, Sony Michelle still has that upside, and you can handcuff him with Damian Harris. I, I mean, look, I, I've seen drafts where you know if you're picking towards the end of round one, you could start your draft with Juju, Tyreek Hill, George Kittle, and you could still grab like a Sony Michelle as your RB one. I, I think. I think going zero RB is really the way to go in my opinion. And I I think I'm starting to realize that now that I'm starting to do these drafts, if I'm not picking in the top three, there's a good chance I'm going wide receiver, wide receiver to start my drafts.
0: Yeah, I agree with you guys. I've never been, I've never done the zero RB strategy myself per se, um, but I can see it definitely as far as in the later rounds, if you're picking late in the draft, I mean that, uh, you would go wide receiver, wide receiver, and then pick up potentially your running back within the third, sometimes maybe even the fourth round. I mean, the, the position's a little bit deeper than what it has been in the past uh, as far as uh, the the running backs we got and a lot of running back by committees going on. So I'm right there with you guys. If you're not getting one of those top four to five guys, uh, waiting is definitely an option. So,
1: well, 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 where I think it comes out, and me and Scott have had this conversation, I just want to bring it up, is that I, I don't know about you. I don't know about Scott. Actually, I think I know Scott's take on this. I like those middle-round running backs a lot more than I like these middle-round receivers. I think when you get to that range of Robert Woods, Robert, uh, Kenny Galladay, um, Cooper Cup, DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley, you're getting into these guys who they have upside. But, I mean, really, truly, how much upside does Kenny Galladay have? I mean, I think you look at these middle-round running backs and see a guy like Kenyon Drake, I see a guy like Sony Michel, I really think that they have top-12 upside. But these wide receivers in that range, I just don't like a lot. So I would rather get these, these two great wide receivers, even possibly three. I've seen people go three receivers to start their drafts. I think it's just a lot safer than gambling on these, these kind of mid-round wide receivers. I really look at the mid-round wide receivers, and they're really guys I like the most out of there chris godwin um calvin ridley guys like that and they're starting to shoot up draft boards so i mean how much do i really want to rely on those wide receivers because in my opinion and i think scott you might share the same sentiment i'd love to hear your take on it but i think once you get to a certain wide receiver it just kind of becomes a crapshoot
2: yeah for me i tend to look at zero rb a little bit differently i'm a traditionalist from the zero rb standpoint when I say zero RB, I mean zero RB. I'm drafting it, it. I'm drafting five wide receivers straight. To me, that's what zero RB is. I'm not looking at a running back to around six or seven because zero RB. If you you really go back through through the whole zero RB original article, you know, written over on RotoViz, then. You'll, you'll understand what anti-fragility is about and, and really trying to to set your lineup uh, apart from other lineups and, and trying to win the flex and fill the flex with as strong a wide receivers as you can and hoping that you can grab a, a breakout or an injury happens and you can get a running back late. That'll put your your team over the top. So for me, if I'm going to do a bastardized version of zero RB, then yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable you know, with some of these running backs in, a, in the middle round. Chris Carson, you know, a few other guys, I think you can really pound the table on on some of these receiving backs that you have. And, and I've got guys slipping down, you know, one of the guys that I really like, we'll talk about a little bit later, but Miles Sanders, if Miles Sanders is my top running back, I'm, I'm comfortable with it. So I'm completely comfortable going zero RB as a strategy. And it's something I still believe in.
0: I wish I could say the same, but I've always been more comfortable having at least one of those. Uh, I like to try to at least nail down at least one top 10 running back in my lineup each season. Just makes me feel more comfortable. Um, but, you know, you know then... you... go you ahead, know, Andrew.
1: You're not there Yeah, I, I love just I, uh, I love this topic so much. But I mean, just to kind of play to your point, you mentioned that, I, you know, like to have that top 10 running back. I mean, Let's take a let's take a look at last year. Think about some of these guys who produced who produced a lot at the running back position, and helped people get the fan, get the fantasy championships. I mean, you, you look at it, he had a shortened year, but Kerryon Johnson was someone you were getting in those, those late to middle rounds. Aaron Jones was basically free on draft day. I mean, James White was free on draft day. Dame, Damian Williams was free all year. Chris Carson was free all year. Sony Michelle, I mean, guys like that. Philip Lindsay, guys like that. I mean, I, I just, I think you can find those. I think you have to be comfortable in yourself to draft like that. I think, you know, starting a draft like Scott mentioned, I mean, you could be picking at the end of the first round. Again, you could start your draft, Juju Hill, Amari Cooper, uh, tight end. I, I mean, you have to, you have to have the balls to look at your team and say, okay, well, James White or Tariq Cohen is going to be my running back one, or even go further. Like Scott said, Mark Ingram or something. You just, as long as you're comfortable with doing that, I, and I, I think you'll be fine. And I think it's something that more people should really have the ball to do because you can get a guy like Chris Godwin in the middle of the fourth, maybe early fifth, you know, depending how he's going in drafts. And that could be a guy who could be a top ten receiver. So I think, I think really going zero RB is something that more people should, should approach doing.
0: So, guys, we're going to go ahead and get into our running back rankings. We're going to start down here at the bottom. We're going to look at 50 through 60. Starting at 60, we have Mike Davis. Moving on up, we have Chase Edmonds, Justice Hill, Jamal Williams, Darwin Thompson, Kareem Hunt, Jarek McKinnon, Adrian Peterson, Devin Singletary, Jalen Samuels, and Damian Harris. Now, out of these guys, the one that sticks out the most right now amongst our rankings is going to be Jalen Samuels. Andrew has him at 55. I have him at 50. And then, Scott, you have him at 41. Now, looking at last season, James Conner filled in quite nicely for Le'Veon Bell to start the season. And then we noticed around week 10, he started to have a nice drop-off here. Uh, And then eventually he was injured in week 13 Jalen Samuels actually stepped in and also did a fantastic job uh, Behind that offensive line Scott, why don't you tell us why you have him ranked so much higher?
2: Well, I think first of all you got to look at the ADP and as far as the ADP as of today on fantasy pros He's running around pick uh, running back 42. So for me my rankings right in line with his ADP, but specifically I just think you look at some of the things that are coming out of Pittsburgh and the camp that that Samuels has had, and he's been used like a a jack of all trades out there. You know, he's catching passes. I think you you looked at what he did, and he killed. He single handedly killed New England in Week 15 last year. You know, 19 carries, 142 yards, two catches for 30 yards, and, and he followed those up with with other games. You know. He had a solid game in week 14 against Oakland, seven catches for 64 yards against Cincinnati, week 17, seven catches for 40 yards. For me, he just has the versatility, and I think he's going to factor more into the run game as Pittsburgh tries to go ahead and and keep James Conner a little bit more healthy. And I think he has standalone value as not only a handcuff, but when you start looking at these running backs that we have this late what you're looking for is a guy that can both carry the ball if an injury occurs, but also has standalone value in the passing game. So for me, when I look at these guys that are, are this late, Jalen Samuels is one of the guys that has the upside. I'm, I'm this late. I'm swinging for the fences, especially we just talked about zero RB. This is one of the guys. If you go zero RB that you're drafting because of the upside, he has to move in to a RB one bell cow type of role if James Conner goes down.
0: Any thoughts there, Andrew? Yeah. I
1: I mean, Conner, look, I mean, that's another running back. I just forgot to mention Conner helped people get to the championship last year and uh, actually Samuels, excuse me. And and look, Samuels looked great last year, but I'm just not totally bought in to the fact that they're going to use him like that. Uh, You know, I I think we saw Le'Veon Bell use like that, but, you know, Connor's the featured guy. I mean, I don't know how much of a share they're going to go with. So, you know, I'm just inclined to to go with guys who I think really have the potential to kind of start out the gate. I think Devin Singletary is someone I'd rather have. Matt Breida, which we'll talk about later, is an incredibly talented guy. Just Daryl Henderson, too. I think that upside of those guys, I'd prefer to take over Samuels. I'm just. Not incredibly bought in that Samuels is Samuels is going to be this guy. I mean, look, Samuels was a tight end coming out of college. He, he's got an interesting he, he's got an interesting way that he plays the running back position. I think he can line up in the slot a lot. You know, he did that in college. And I just I don't know. I, I'm just I'm not fully convinced that James Connor isn't going to catch sixty balls. I mean, last year he was on pace for over seventy. So I just I'm not super bought into the James to the Jalen Samuels hype. Uh, I'm just. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's hard for me to say that I really expect this guy to be someone I really want to draft other than if I have James Conner. I don't know. I, I mean, I look at a guy like Darwin Thompson, who we'll talk about later, and it's kind of the same thing with a guy like that. I think Darwin Thompson's, you know, his reliability and fantasy is if Damian Williams is hurt. And I think J- Jalen Samuels is going to be the same way. I just don't know if they're going to use a two running back system. They really never have. And uh, I'm just uh, really not fully there yet with uh, Jalen Samuels.
0: Now you just touched on uh, Devin Singletary, how you'd like to have him a little more than Jalen Samuels there. Now with Shady McCoy and Frank Gore, TJ Yeldon, you know, it's pretty deep backfield right now. I mean, we've already talked about earlier in in these podcasts that TJ Yeldon may get cut. But tell us a little more about why you're a little higher on Devin Singletary. Andrew.
1: Um, yeah. I, I mean, I actually, um, I, I, which I'll let Scott touch on too, because Scott's got Singletary higher than me personally, but I like Singletary because I think the upside's there. I think it's possible that I, I think, I think almost Yeldon getting cut is almost just almost a given at this point, in my opinion. And I also think with Sean McCoy's a possibility too, I think, I think they could get rid of him as well. they would save a lot of money if they did so. And, I just I think the upside that is there with Singletary. He looks phenomenal in his preseason game. Um, and I just think really the upside is there for Singletary. I think with what they're doing in Buffalo, they're kind of going towards, I feel like, a younger feel. I think they're kind trying to really push their rebuild forward, and I think LaShawn McCoy could be gone, TJ Yeldon could be gone, and that could be leaving you with Devin Singletary, and that is a guy who is going for free in drafts. He's going outside the top 50, and it's just, at the running back position, at least. And I think that it's just, it, there is a possibility that this guy is going to get touches in week one. And I think that's something that you have to look for, at least right now in drafts. I mean, again, these guys might not be on your roster, but I think in drafts right now in August, those are the guys you want to target. And uh, I'd love to throw it to Scott. I want to hear what Scott says, because Scott's even got him higher than me.
2: Yeah, I have him at forty-eight. And if you look at Buffalo, Buffalo is a, a team that's in transition. And when you have a young team like that, a relatively new coaching staff, I, I think you look at a guy like Shady McCoy, and he's going to get his play. But he's also had injury history, you know, over the last few years. He's thirty-one years old, and when you start looking at these guys, as I said, who's a guy that you can you can get this late that has viable. A Viable direction towards snaps and towards playing time who can actually get there and, and look at the guys in front of them and say How hard is it for this guy to become the guy and I, I think when you look at Devin Singletary He's got a lot better chance of that happening than a lot of the other guys in this 50 to 60 range you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily going to take an injury for him to get there. I think you can you can definitely see a running back by committee there. Frank Gore's the other back that's there who's old and granted he's reliable, but he doesn't offer the same skill set as what Devin Singletary has. The one thing with Devin Singletary throughout the whole pre-draft process, at the combine he didn't do very well. But if you look at his game film, he's got vision. He can catch the ball. You know, contrary than than the way they actually use him. But I, I think Buffalo will be able to use him in a multitude of ways. And I think when you look at the other running backs on their roster, he's got youth on his side. And I think he's got a, a nice path to be able to get touches and possibly ascend to that that running back one on that team.
0: Yeah, I can definitely see that too, guys. I mean, Shady McCoy had definitely a less than stellar season last year. Frank McGore Frank Gore, he's the he's the running back that won't quit. But I definitely, I mean, this team's getting young. They're moving in a different direction, and I can see them as the season goes on moving to uh, Devin Singletary and and seeing what they've got in the future. There, another guy in this range we want to talk about is going to be Darwin Thompson. I know this is a guy that Andrew's really excited about here. The thing about that Kansas City uh, backfield right now is that Andy Reid has said that he is planning to move to a running back by committee situation. So you've got Damian Williams there. He just came back from a hamstring injury. You've got Carlos Hyde, who's been taking most of the reps. Then you've been mixing in, he's been mixing in some Daryl Williams and Darwin Thompson. So, Scott, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this first.
2: Well, Andy Reid's been all over the place this offseason. He's going from Damian Williams as the bell cow, and that's what it's going to be. And the moves that he made echoed and shadowed that. So I I don't think when you look at Carlos Hyde that he's any real threat towards what Damian Williams was supposed to get as a bell cow. The problem is you have a six-round pick in Darwin Thompson that has been showing out in camp. And is super athletic. He gets his chances in the first preseason game. He takes one to the house off a reception. He looks good. He's athletic. He's small and compact. And I think that starts to raise the eyebrows. And it's what I've been saying all along. The reason why I have Damian Williams a lot lower than a lot of consensus. Other experts out there. I just think that as the season goes on. This is going to be a little bit more of a running back by committee than than what people think I'm not so much worried about Carlos Hyde I don't have him very high in my rankings I actually have him 59 as opposed to uh both of y'all y'all and I'll once we get to Hyde you all can justify y'all rankings there but I think Darwin Thompson's the 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 young athletic talent that you have to be concerned about that's going to kind of cut into Damian Williams touches there and and maybe not allow Damian Williams to be that that top Second and third round value that a lot of people have been touting him to be.
0: So, Andrew, you're the highest of the three on Darwin Thompson. You've been screaming his name. Won't you tell us what you think here?
1: Yeah, I think Thompson is. Uh, you know what I see on film is I see Damian Williams. I know Scott, um, you know, mentioned it on a few shows ago how Damian Williams is someone who you know that the track record isn't really there. I mean, what we heard about Damian Williams is that. He was always super talented, but he just never stayed healthy. And I think I look at Damian Williams how he plays, and I look at Darwin Thompson. They're they're really identical, in my opinion. I think Thompson is a younger Damian Williams. So I have Damian uh, Darwin Thompson ranked so high, just because again he's free. He he's free. He is last round guy. And I think assuming Damian Williams is hurt, which is an incredibly high possibility, I think you're getting. A potential, and this is kind of crazy because he's on draft of free agent. But I think you're possibly getting a top 15 running back. I like Carlos Hyde this year because I think he's going to pour touchdowns. I think you have a great offense. You're putting an offense that averaged 35 plus points a game, and you're you're taking goal line back. So I like Carlos Hyde. But when I'm looking for upside, I'm looking at Darwin Thompson. 11 of the 11 of his 15 head coaching years, Andy Reid has produced a top 10 fantasy running back, and I think that's just incredibly, just an incredibly important statistic. I think you're scared off by Damon Williams. That's fine. However, someone like Darwin Thompson is going to be his replacement. I, I don't see Darrell Williams being that guy. I see someone like Darwin Thompson. I think you look at what he did in junior – he obliter- He obliterated junior college. The guy played junior college for two years, totaled about 3,500 yards in two years. The dude was insane. Then he backs it up, gets to Utah State, runs for 1,000 yards in 13 games, Games and catches for 400 yards, uh, you know, in the back, out of the backfield. I mean, that's incredibly awesome stuff. I think the guy it was a proven talent in college, and then he backed it up in preseason week one. So, I really like Darwin Thompson to be a guy I'm taking in the last round on draft day. Even you know, kind of reach for him, take him round 13 of a 16 round draft. Just go for it because I am confident in saying, and I know this is kind of crazy. Uh, I, I'm pretty confident that if Damon Williams is hurt at all this year. I think Darwin Thompson is going to be a top 12 running back in PPR. Am, am I kind of too crazy for that, Scott? Or do you, do you think that's possible given Reed's track record in that offense and how Darwin Thompson plays?
2: I think that, I think he can be productive. My issue is is when you start throwing out numbers that he's going to be a top twelve PPR running back. You know, if he go ahead goes ahead and succeeds to to the top of that dub chart, I just think the the amount of time that it's going to take to for that muddy water to clear to allow Darwin Thompson to rise to the top of that dub chart isn't going to be enough to, for him to put up. You know, top 12 running back stats over the year. What'll be interesting is once he goes ahead and gets a starting role or really starts putting the touches in, what his points per game averages will be, and if that will be aligned kind of with Andy Reid's history as far as running back production. Um, like I said, I, I'm not a Damian Harris. I mean, I'm, excuse me, I'm not a Damian Williams guy, and it, he's just not somebody I'm going to be drafting. And so whenever we start taking a shot this late with, little faith that i have in, in damian williams darwin thompson's definitely going to be somebody on a radar especially when you start looking at the fifteenth, 16th round of, of your draft why not throw a dart with upside in? i mean it's a lottery ticket when you start factoring in andy reed's consistency
1: well that's exactly what i was saying i mean i was just referring to thompson as uh, i think if damian williams is hurt i think you're looking at a twop, top 12 running back possibly from that point forward. I mean, if that's what you meant. I mean, look at Damian Williams. If you told, if you told anybody last year that Damian Williams was going to be a top 12 running back at the end of the year, at least on a per week basis, you would have said they were crazy. You, you would have laughed in their face and what did we see when Damian Williams took over that job? He was a top 12 running back. I I think, I just think that offense lends itself to that running back position. And while Darwin Thompson is not a top 12 running back talent, if he is in that offense, Damian Williams is hurt, I I don't see anything saying that Darwin Thompson cannot put up absurd amounts of, of fantasy points. I just I, I I don't see how it wouldn't happen.
2: Well I guess my question to you when it when it would come to that is like I said, we'll we'll get into Carlos Hyde, but you have Carlos Hyde ranked pretty high compared to, to the mm-hmm. rest of us. You have him at thirty six. So if Damian Williams were to get hurt, it, it seems as far as your rankings go that y- you would suggest that Carlos Hyde would be the person that would ascend to, to that lead back role.
1: No, I, I don't think – I think in this – and that's what I, I keep trying to key in on is that in this Andy Reid offense, he's always used running backs just in, a lot in the passing game. I mean, we've saw, we saw Westbrook in Philadelphia. We saw LaShawn McCoy. We saw Kareem Hunt. I think he he really enjoys his receiving backs, and I think what I think what's going to happen with Carlos Hyde is he's going to play the role of, LeGarrette Blunt from the Patriots. I think he's going to be a, a short yardage back. I think he's going to be the goal line back. I think he's going to have a cemented role, and he's going to be that safety play they might need on a bye week. I really think Carlos Hyde, even if Damien Williams was gone, I think Carlos Hyde can just be this guy you plug in. I mean, LeGarrette Blunt was a fantasy option. You know, we Latavius Murray is going to be a fantasy option in New Orleans. He's he's going to get used in a lot of short yardage plays and, um, you know, a little bit of, you know, kind of mix and match there. But I think Carlos Hyde is going to have this role where he's going to be a short yardage back and a touchdown back. And I think we have seen that a running back like that will hold value in Fantasy League, especially around that 30-ish range and even higher. So that's kind of where I think Carlos Hyde is going to stay. I I, I don't think he has the pass-catching ability to really excel to the top.
0: We shall see, and I'm sure we're going to get into that here just a little bit more. Uh, let's talk about Damian Harris real quick coming in from Alabama. We've got Sonny Michelle had a knee scope over uh, over the offseason, he's just gotten back to camp. He's been taking the first team reps. Last I saw is Damian Harris hasn't been getting too many touches in camp. But this is a guy playing for a team with a coach that doesn't hold a lot of loyalty to that running back position. He's Bill uh, Belichick's been known to throw in a, a lot of different guys at that position and and let them play. So Damian Harris definitely get on the field and potentially put up some numbers. So being this low, this is a guy I could definitely take a dart throw on late uh, to see what happens, especially with the potential of. Uh, Sony Michelle with that knee. He could potentially go down. James White's going to get his touches, but if I'm stashing someone on my bench, I I really like Damian Harris here. Uh, What do you think, Andrew?
1: Yeah, I I think, look, um, you know, just a little bit backtrack. So what Scott said a lot about Jalen Samuels, I agree with a lot of it. Um, I think James Conner goes down. You're looking at a, a great guy, but I'm not predicting that because I just don't see Conner's injury history really being that big of an issue. But I look at a guy like Darwin Thompson. We just talked about it. Then I look at a guy like Damian Harris. I think Sonny Michelle's knee issue could be a problem. I know Scott doesn't think that, but we look at a guy like Jay Jay, who's got that bone on bone. I'm just a little nervous about it. Um, so that's why I kind of have Damian Harris the hot, actually, the well, second highest. You actually have him 45th. He'll be. I think Harris has the potential to be that lead back on that offense if Sonny Michelle goes down. Um, regardless of Sonny Michelle going down, I still think he'll take on that legare blunt type role where he could be that short yardage bruiser back he bulked up a little bit with which is insane because i don't i didn't know he could bulk up anymore but uh damian harris another guy who's basically free i think he's got a lot of upside so i think you look at sony michelle's knee issue you look at their history of that short yardage back in new england i think harris is a uh, is a really good option at the running back position
2: scott you got any thoughts on this for me, I tend to differ a little bit, and the issue I have with Damian Harris, as a Sony Michelle owner, I would go ahead and consider taking Damian Harris as a traditional handcuff. If I don't have Sony Michelle on any of my rosters, Damian Harris is probably a guy I'm going to stay away from, and the reason being is I just don't think the the receiving upside is there in, in a PPR league. Could he possibly take over the uh, Sony Michelle role? Possibly, but you're banking on an injury for that to happen. Traditionally, a lot of people were skeptical with Sony Michelle last year because traditionally Bill Belichick hasn't relied on rookies. So you're going to go ahead and expect him to rely on a rookie. I think if Sony Michelle were to go down, you're going to look at three different running backs splitting the role. So you're going to have James White in his traditional receiving pass-catching role as far as the running backs goes. And then you're going to have Damian Harris split in time with Rex Burkhead. My opinion, I don't think Damian Harris would would pick up the full role that uh, Sony Michelle would go ahead and have and you start looking at at the camp A lot of the beat reporters Kevin Duffy's one of them out, out of the Patriots, you know camp He's not getting what everybody in the fantasy community is hoping for as far as touches and run and practice He actually sat out the Thursday night game. So it's it's not known yet exactly what his role everybody's just been speculating all season long and for me, I think the the Sony Michelle knee injury is a little bit overblown. It was a cleanup procedure. It wasn't actually a surgery, it was just more precautionary. I think I actually have Sony Michelle the highest in our, our ranks, and it. it's just something I'm going to continue with. Would I take him as an insurance policy? If I have Michelle rostered, yes. Other than that, he's probably a guy that I'm going to stay away from.
0: Real quick here, I want to touch on Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt won't be won't even be able to touch the field until week 10. For me, I, there's no way I'm stashing a guy that's not going to even be able to touch the field until week 10 on my bench. Yet, somehow, I still have him higher than both of you guys. Uh, I could see if he came back. It's one of those situations where if Nick Chubb went down, I could see a lot more Kareem Hunt how much he's going to get to play come week 10. I, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can gamble on that and how I have him higher than you guys. I don't know. I'll have to double check that he might be moving down in my rankings here, but Andrew, uh, you've got him at 56 Scott. You've got him at 53. So Scott, tell me what you think about Kareem hunt and whether you'd stash him on your bench.
2: Well, he's definitely not going to be a stash on my bench. You can possibly look at picking him up maybe in week 8, week 9 if you have a a deep bench and an extra spot available. But even even then once he comes in, how much of a role is he really going to have? I I think they're just going to spell Nick Chubb and try to keep Nick Chubb healthy. I think from a talent perspective, I actually think that Nick Chubb's the more talented running back I think he's going to gel and work in the system and it's going to be a fine fine old fine-tuned machine there in Cleveland down the stretch so you're going to interject Kareem Hunt who should be fresh by then but how much is he really going to be involved in that offense as far as knowing the playoff the playbook and having everybody comfortable with him And, and how much of his numbers that he's Provided over the last couple of years is pumped up by the Andy Reid offense that we've we've talked about uh, That's the big argument for Damian Williams is how well he filled in for Kareem Hunt So was Kareem Hunt a, a product of the system or a product of his talent? Uh, that remains to be seen, but at this point in time With the the suspension being as long as it is, there's no way I'm drafting Kareem Hunt Let somebody else go ahead and do that and and, and basically put a, a dead spot on their their roster for at least 10 weeks what do you think, Andrew?
1: Yeah, I agree with Scott. Scott really touched on everything I was going to say. I think the reason I have him so far down is because um, I just think what's going to happen is you're going to have that fly owner on draft day who's going to say, ooh, I just got Kareem Hunt late. We're going to stash him. We're going we're to keep him. He's going to be a baller. Look, you know what's going to happen? You're going to be in a bind. You're going to need to pick up somebody, and you're going to drop him week five, or maybe earlier. So I, just, I don't think it's realistic to really have this mindset that you're going to stash Kareem Hunt for 10 weeks as Nick Chubb is tearing things up. Nick Chubb is seeming to drop in drafts for some reason. I, I I don't know why I got Nick Chubb in a third round yesterday in a 12 team draft half PPR. I mean the end of the third, I think. Kareem Hunt is scaring people off cuz they see the name. Don't don't buy it. Don't don't draft him. Pick him up on waivers week 8, you know, if you're the Chubb owner. Maybe consider picking him up earlier if you have a deep bench, but I'm just just—I'm not intrigued with him at all. I think Andy Reid offense inflated his numbers, and you're just not going to keep him on your roster for that long. So look for him, waivers week eight. That's really all I have to say on it.
0: Any other guys you guys want to touch on in this range, or should we move on?
1: I think we're good to move on if you guys are ready.
0: All right, moving on, we're going to hit, uh, running backs, 49 to 40. In this range, we've got Kalen Bellage at 49. Moving up, we have Chris Thompson, Ronald Jones, second. Ido Smith, Carlos Hyde, Daryl Henderson, Matt Breida, Jordan Howard, Peyton Barber, and Royce Freeman. Now, out of these guys, one of the ones I wanted to look at first here is going to be Ronald Jones, the second. Bruce Arians has had a lot of praise for him coming out of camp, and I've never known Bruce Arians to be one to to put out a lot of fluff. So last season, Ronald Jones was definitely one of the biggest absolute disappointments of anyone's fantasy season. So coming in, having Bruce Arians, we know what he was able to do with uh, Chris Johnson and uh, David Johnson at, at Arizona. Do we think that he could have some sort of, uh, power here over Ronald Jones to to elevate him to a level higher than uh, we expect him to be. Uh, Scott, what do you think about this?
2: I think what you have to look at with Ronald Jones is how small of a sample size and play in time he actually got last year in his rookie season. It's a new coaching staff, so with the new regime can come a whole different opinion and opportunity for a player. Peyton Barber gets what's blocked for him, and and that's about it. So when you start looking at Ronald Jones, we actually have him, you know, down there a a little bit lower than what his ADP is. He's actually coming off the board as the running back 40. Um, So we're kind of, you know, 47 spot. I mean, seven spots back than, than what his ADP is. For me, it's more of a, a, a show-me issue. Uh, I want to see it before I'm going to invest any any real draft capital in him. And... and When I look at that offense, I know Andrew's quite high waving the flag for for Jameis. I just think the pass attack is where it's going to be in that offense. I think you're still going to see a split backfield with Peyton Barber. And quite frankly, I would not be surprised in the least bit when you start seeing some of these cuts come. If you can possibly see another running back there, that's going to get some run as well.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, you look at Jones and um, again, I had him number one overall out of of the rookie drafts. Uh, PPR leagues. I mean, I just saw it. I think he's an incredibly talented back, but I just don't know how much you can really count on that. I, I think you know, the only upside to it is this. I, I think uh, Peyton Barber is not really anything special. I think you can basically get him for free. I mean, again, in leagues, I, I really am cool with drafting those two guys just so you can have a backfield at a really cheap value. I think we talked zero RB I think that's someone you could hit on zero RB maybe as you're running back three kind of. So I, I like it from that sense, but I'm just not super, uh, I, I'm not expecting it. I think Jones has the talent. He bulked up, but like Scott said, I think this is going to be a bad defense. This is going to be an offense. that's going to chase points. I mean, this is going to be an offense. It's going to be passing the ball. So I'm not super intrigued by him, but it's something I'm going to keep an eye on the preseason. I said that last week or the week before that I'm going to watch for him in the preseason. I'm going to keep doing that. But I'm not really expecting too much.
0: So Kalen Balazs here is an interesting one I wanted to talk about. Reports out of camp were that he had been getting a lot of run with the ones. Kenyon Drake has been the guy that everyone's expecting to be the default starter there. So with Kalen Bellage getting a lot of reps with the ones, do we think this is some uh, good old-fashioned competition situation that Flores is bringing out uh, amongst these guys? Or do we really think that Kalen Balazs has a shot at being the one there? Andrew, what do you think?
1: I think he's got a chance. It's just it really what Kalen Bellage is to me is I think he's going to be a Frank Gore type. And, you know, from, from last year, in that sense to me, is that he's just going to be a guy who's going to take away from Kenyon Drake. I really don't see the upside for Balazs to be this guy who can take over a backfield. I just don't see it uh, happening that way. I think you look at Balazs last year, and he was – I mean, he was fine, but it just really wasn't anything that, you know, stuck out to me. I mean, the guy, he's fast. He, he's a fast guy. hes He's got a good, you know, four-yard dash. He had a good speed score. I mean, he was an interesting talent, but I just – I'm just not really intrigued by him. I think he's, again, it's, you know, we talk about zero RB again. I'm going to keep bringing it up in this range is that, you know, if you end up with Kenyon Drake, I think you can get Ballage a little bit later and kind of just uh, handcuff that backfield. But I'm not intrigued by Ballage's talent level, and I'm just kind of taking him just, just really if I have Drake or if I can maybe, you know, potentially expect him to get some fantasy points down the stretch.
0: Scott, what's your thoughts on this?
2: So, Kalen Balazs hasn't been able to beat out anybody for a number one running back position on a football team since he was in high school. So, you look at his college career at Arizona State, he's got some vision issues and instinct issues when it comes to running back. He just doesn't see a lot of lanes that are there. That being said, at his size, 6'2", 228 pounds. He's got a nice speed score and 40 yard dash and offers a a good skill set as far as receiving the ball. The best thing to me about this thing that's going on here in Dolphins camp, I think he'll get some usage. I I think you're going to go ahead and see both Bellage and Kenyon Drake split some carries, but I think it's going to be more of a sixty forty type of split with somebody else mixed in as that that third running back. The best thing for me is that this is depressing Kenyon Drake's value a little bit to where you can get him a round or two cheaper than what you would if the news coming out of camp was that you know Drake was just dominating the carries and, and everything, all the work in in training camp. So. For me, I'm happy with this outcome. Balazs isn't a guy that I'm going to take too many stabs at in in drafts. I'm more interested in Drake, especially if his value is getting pushed down more towards the middle rounds.
0: So I'm going to touch on this guy real quick. Uh, Ito Smith in the Atlanta Falcons backfield. Andrew, you've got him at 39. I have him at 49. Scott has him at 51. It's come out, news has come out that so far that, that number two running back spot behind Devonta Freeman hasn't been solidified yet. So, Andrew, I want to ask you, uh, what what is it that makes you a, a lot higher on him than uh, Scott or I?
1: Yeah, I, I don't think, I, I think you look at that backfield, uh, Ito Smith is not going to be the guy if Devonta Freeman goes down. I, I think that's just not who he is. And that's just not the role that he has been brought in to play over there. I mean, look, he, he played. It, there was stretches last year where Ito looked like he could do something. I was always super impressed with him out of Southern Miss. You know, down here, um, I, I just like Smith because I think he's got that this passing downs role set. I think that they could probably, you know, use him in that role no matter what. I think they brought in uh, Olsson. Uh, they drafted him, and I think that's going to be your goal line slash more likely Devontae Freeman replacement. I just think Smith has a role that's solidified. I think he, he could be someone now last year he caught 30 balls, but I think this could be someone who could catch 55 to 60 passes and, and be a viable fantasy bi-week replacement or kind of just a, a top 36 guy who can kind of hold his own in fantasy. Uh, obviously PPR leagues, I think standard leagues, this guy's almost undraftable. So uh, I've always been intrigued by the talent. Um, and I just think they'll, they'll use him in that passing downs role. And I think he'll be, uh, you know, worth owning, uh, especially in deeper leagues.
0: You got any thoughts on this, Scott?
2: Yeah, I think uh, 55 to 60 receptions is is a little bit out there, a lot higher than what my projections would be, even, even when you start looking at last year with, with Devontae Freeman going down at he had 32 targets, 27 receptions. Even on those 27 receptions, only 152 yards. So somewhat disappointing performance there as far as the receiving role goes. I, I'm just not a big believer as far as ranking Edo Smith up there. Even if he is a big receiving back, he doesn't offer much in the Russian department. Last year, he only averaged 3.5 yards per carry. He did have four touchdowns in the Russian department. But... I'm just not high on him as far as a replacement. Even if he does get some of the passing work, he's at best going to be fifth on, on the pecking order as far as receptions go. So he's just not somebody I'm putting a lot of stock in. He's, he's not that high upside dart throw that I can get late in a draft. Like I said, I, I, I like a lot of these other guys way more than I like Edo Smith. And, and that's just what's reflected in my rankings. I'm going to go ahead and take a, a Jalen Samuels or Devin Singletary over Ito Smith 100 times out of 100.
0: So I want to touch on this Denver backfield real quick with Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay came out of nowhere to become a fantasy darling last season, but we can't discount the fact that Royce Freeman was taken to eventually be that bell cow back. Do we think that that will happen this season? Do, you, do, we, do we see a, a possibility that Royce Freeman steps up and actually takes that role, or are we going to see a running back by committee all season? What do you think, uh, Scott? You're high. Uh, actually I'm highest on him, but Scott, we'll start with you.
2: I, I think what you're going to see is a split backfield. I, I think there's no way for somebody a, as small as what Philip Lindsay is to to hold up year after year after year. And I think the Broncos realize that. So I, I think you're going to see Freeman, who had a phenomenal college career over at Oregon you know, putting up some of the best numbers of any running back in college football history. So I think you're going to see Freeman, who's by all... All instances from beat reporters having a, a great camp. I think he's just going to get mixed in more. And I just think you're going to see way too much of a running back by committee. But I think he's a guy that has the upside to take over the role if Lindsay does get injured. So he's a guy that that I'm interested in, especially if you go zero RB. He would be a prime candidate to go ahead and, and, and target a little bit later to the late middle rounds um you know he's definitely somebody i would be interested in so it's just gonna have to see Well, i want to see how he how he plays in that that week three preseason game and see exactly how those touches are going to be divvied out in that denver offense
0: andrew you're the lowest on royce here what are your thoughts
1: yeah it's kind of just to admit to you guys i should probably move him up and i'm probably am gonna move him up in the next few weeks uh like someone like jordan howard i'd probably even possibly switch out i I think i'd probably like freeman a little more i mean look freeman was incredibly talented in college i mean he he put up some crazy numbers in that in in that oregon offense but i'm just i guess where my issue is with freeman is i'm 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 cream rises to the the top guy i think scott is too i think lindsey if staying healthy i think he could he could be an alvin kamara type 15 to 20 touches a game i think lindsey is incredibly talented he was Way better than anyone would have thought between the tackles. Um, I think you watch some of his games and you kind of you look at him as this type who kind of ran a lot of outside um, outside runs, but he just ran well between the tackles. And I think he could just be a potential every down back. So I, I think I just look at it from that standpoint as I'm thinking that Friedman is going to be. Well, I keep talking about him. He's going to be this type of goal line back. He's going to be this short yardage back, and I just I don't know if I can trust it. And then on the flip side is Joe Flacco doesn't really move the needle for me. I don't know how good that offense is going to be in Denver. I don't really know if they're going to score enough to really lend themselves to having someone like Freeman be the short yardage back, Uh, and he can put up a lot in fantasy. You know, the fantasy area. I just, I don't think that offense is going to be good enough to where Lindsey and Freeman can both get theirs. And I just, I just don't see it with Freeman. I'm just going to knock him down just for the sake of thinking Lindsey is going to be the guy who who really just kind of leads that backfield. Assuming he stays healthy now, I mean, look, if Lindsey goes down, I think you're looking at Freeman probably going to have to be at the top 30 back just because there's going to be no one else there. So uh, I just, I'm just, just really not feeling it with Freeman. I just, uh, I was incredibly disappointed with him last year. He put up 550 yards, which you would have never thought with where he was going in fantasy leagues that he was going to put that number uh, 550 yards up last year. But I mean, just, you know, I think it's fillable on these backfield to lose if you he stay healthy.
0: So, we're going to move on to a guy that I know Scott Smith is ready to hear about, and that's going to be Carlos Hyde. We've already touched on him a little bit when we were talking about Darwin Thompson. So, starting out here, Andrew, you've got him at 36. I have him at 43. And then, as Scott mentioned, he's got him, he's the lowest at 59. So, Andrew, what are you seeing here? Because you're, you're definitely really high on Darwin Thompson, and you've been a Damian Williams truther. What is it you're seeing here with Carlos Hyde?
1: I mean, again, I really don't have much to add on it. I mean, I can just hear Scott, you guys rip me apart. I think he could do what Laguerre Blunt did in some fantasy years, and especially the year in New England. I, I know it's, it's hard to bank on something like that, but I mean – Look, LeGarrette Blunt had years where in standard leagues he was averaging 10 points per game and 15 points per game in his breakout year. I think Carlos Hyde can easily be someone who can – look, let's look at LeGarrette Blunt right here. 700 yards, six touchdowns, he added seven catches. He averaged uh, 10 points per game in PPR leagues. I mean, that's something Carlos Hyde can do. And whether you like it or not, I I don't have the exact numbers, but I'm pretty sure 10 points per game – is going to be around that round that RB 36, and it might be a little bit higher than that. So I think Hyde is just going to have a goal line short yardage roll. Um, now, my concern is that they backtrack and they get rid of them, but I don't, see, I don't see them getting rid of them. So I, I think Hyde having that short yardage roll, I think in that offense, 35 points per game, right? I mean, this is a team who could possibly get into the red zone five times a game maybe more. I mean, come on. I mean, just why not? Like why not take Carlos Hyde? Cuz again, he's going for free. So just uh, I I don't see a reason not to take Carlos Hyde. So I'd love to hear you guys tell me how like Garrett Blunt was not a viable fantasy options for a few years in 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 a really good New England offense.
2: For me, it's simple. You're you're arguing Carlos Hyde and your your primary argument is based upon another player. So for me, we're not talking about an argument that's based around Carlos Hyde's talent. We're, we're we're talking about an argument that's based around another player performing and another offense and doing well. So touchdowns as they are, are are highly unpredictable on a year-to-year basis, even if that offense does run well. It's going to take Darwin Thompson not being good. It's going to take Damian Williams not being good for for Carlos Hyde to have a role. So for me to make an argument – for a player and rank him as high as what Andrew has him ranked. I need to have talent along with circumstance, along with opportunity, along with the system. And what we're just doing is, is shuffling the cards and, and, And trying to to paint a picture to make Carlos Hyde out to be a better player than what he is. He had opportunity last year in Jacksonville after he was traded and did nothing. You know, he he didn't show much whenever he was in Cleveland. There was absolutely no reason in hell for him to be running as their RB one over Nick Chubb last year in 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 Cleveland. And I just think Carlos Hyde is a below average talent and, and he's not somebody that even with the Andy Reid offense that I'm willing to, to go ahead and invest in?
1: He averaged 15 points per game in 2016 in San Francisco. He averaged 14.7 points per game in 2017. Last year, he averaged 7 points per game in a Cleveland Browns offense led by Tyrod Taylor, and then he went over to Jacksonville with Blake Bortles, who is currently a backup quarterback, throwing ducks in preseason games. I mean, I, I, I think to assume that if he has the short yardage role on the best offense, probably the second best offense in football, I think it's hard to believe that he wouldn't fall into, fall into 10 points a game. I mean, you got to think. RB36, like RB36, like I, I get the argument from the standpoint of I want to go upside. I get it. I go upside pretty much most of my drafts. I mean, I, I get it. But as a fallback, fallback option, as RB36, as a guy who's going to be your fourth running back, why not? I, I just, I, I don't get how you can look at that and say, okay, there's no way he's going to put up RB36 numbers.
0: I, mean,
2: I am Andy, willing. For me, Andy you know? Reid has traditionally gone with, with a primary back. Yeah. Sitting there having a goal line back and, and banking on that to be Carlos Hyde is is reading between the lines that, that I'm just not seeing. Um, I mean, Carlos Hyde, RB36, there's probably 20 other backs that I, I, I would have ranked ahead of him. And hey, I, I made a beer bet with I made a beer bet with Kilby. I'm willing to make a beer bet with you on this that Carlos Hyde won't finish anywhere close to that. So let let's come up with something and and, and go ahead and plan our flies <laughs> on, on one side of the line or the other.
1: Look, I, I'm willing to say this. I mean look and you just you just mentioned it. I mean you say traditionally he uses one back. Again, you don't like Damien Damian Williams if Damian Williams is not going to play 16 games, if, if, if Darwin Thompson, if he's not going to play 16 games as a lead back, I just think it's hard to believe that Carlos Hyde is not going to, on a per-game basis, put up top 36 numbers. I, 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 just, I, I know we've eaten at uh, Walk-Ons a few times. I'll buy you a meal at Walk-Ons. And Absolutely. Anyone who doesn't know what Walk-Ons is, it's delicious. So we're so going to play some meal bets.
2: So, so Carlos Hyde finishes as running back 36. That's the bet.
1: Yes, and I would love to have an injury, injury avoid if that's possible.
2: Okay. That, that should I, be I'll any, give you four games. Four games. If he's out for more than four games, we'll avoid it.
1: That's fair. I, I take that. I mean, it's going to suck when he plays 12. But I think, I, I mean, just, I mean, you have to get what I'm, I mean, do you, do you at least, so is your angle um, that you just don't think that it's, you just kind of think it's hard to predict someone to have a goal line role. I mean, I I know it was impossible to predict with Garrett blunt to fall into the end zone as much as he did new England. But I just, I think we were so high on, I mean, look, we were high on Rex Burkhead heading into last year. I mean, just because we thought he would have the short yardage role and look, it was hard to predict. I mean, look what happened out there, but you also have to think they had Sony, Michelle, James white. I mean, over here, you have an undrafted rookie who I'm high on in Darwin Thompson, but still he's an undrafted rookie. And then you have Damian Williams who looked talented, but on the flip side, he cannot stay healthy. So I think you look at Carlos Hyde, who has been kind of crappy at points in his career. The guy stayed healthy. I, I think to think that he won't be worth running back, your fourth running back on a team, I think is, is, is outlandish. I mean, I, I think you have, him, you have him 59th, right? Is that what you have him? That, that, that's out. Like that, that's, in the most polite way possible, Scott, because I respect the hell out of you, and I think you're one of the best guys in the industry, I think that's that's insane that you have Justice Hill ahead of Carlos Hyde. Like what the hell? Justice Hill really? Like I, I just I think I, I think you need to move Carlos Hyde up in your rankings. Please. Just, just for me to look at at
2: least. Look, the NFL's changed and it's a passing league. Justice Hill's a guy who's athletic, who can catch <laughs> passes, and even in when you start comparing the Baltimore offense to the the Kansas City offense. Baltimore is not on the level of what Kansas City is, but to go ahead and try to predict a goal line back in Andy Reed's offense, good luck with that. Are they going to score a ton of points? Yes, but even if Damian Williams goes down, I point blank, I think Darwin Thompson's a better talent and offers more versatility than than what Carlos Hyde does. I just don't see it and I'm not going to bank and argue against a player who I don't think is is that talented. We talk about the cream rising to the top and point blank, I I don't see Carlos Hyde being the player that's going to rise to the top. And if what I have to bank on is goal line carries versus a player like Justice Hill, who I project to to have a passing, you know, role and, and get the receptions. We're talking about PPR rankings here. You know, if you have him as running back thirty six and, and maybe a standard league, I could maybe go along with that argument a lot more. But no, not here in PPR rankings, not at all.
1: You have Chase Edmonds four spots ahead of carlos Todd.
2: so i absolutely we'll see love how it works
1: Simmons. out we'll see. we'll see how it works out kill me. you've been sitting idle <laughs> tell me you love carlos hot as much as i do
0: i love was a very strong word here <laughs> uh, <laughs> well i i have him ranked a little bit higher than probably i should uh where i have him ranked actually is where he's going in adp right now it, it's just, I think the main reason I have him ranked so high is mainly just the offense that he's in. I understand Scott's argument there, as far as you know, banking on a on an injury and a goal line back. I, I can see both sides of the argument, but I I couldn't take him at thirty six. I can go ahead and tell you that much. And I don't even know if I'd even want to take him at forty three. That's just where I happen to have him ranked right now. So let's uh, let's move on. I want to talk about this guy real quick here. Daryl Henderson, uh, it, he's been a hot topic because of the whole Todd Gurley knee situation. Uh, we actually have him ranked lower than his current ADP. His ADP is at thirty six. Andrew, you have him at forty four. I have him at forty one, and Scott has him at forty six. How much do we think we will actually see of Daryl Henderson on the field, uh, relieving Todd Gurley this season? How what, what do we think um, logistically? Like, what do we think, uh, Scott? Let's start with you.
2: I, I think Daryl Henderson was brought in for for one reason. I think towards the end of the season, you know, when Todd Gurley was dealing with his injuries, you saw the passing game from the running backs in in that Los Angeles Rams offense. Bogged down. They just stopped throwing to the to the running back out of the backfield. They, they stopped having that check down option because Gurley. I think Henderson was brought in to fill that role as insurance to, to kind of take the load off of Todd Gurley and basically play a Chris Thompson role of what Chris Thompson did in, in, in the Redskins offense. So I think that's where Henderson kind of fills the bill. If you actually watch preseason, he struggled running the ball. You know he he went to that that Rams offense runs a zone system and it relies on vision and processing and I haven't seen that out of Darrell Henderson just yet. You know he put up some pretty gaudy numbers there in Memphis, which led him to to being drafted where he did, but. I just don't see the patience. I don't see the footwork that he needs to run in this this zone system. And he's used to running gap systems there in in Memphis. Memphis had one of the better offensive lines in college football. Their offensive line, the way they run them, they have a huge gap when they line line up before the snap. So it's a little bit different for him to go ahead and process. I'm sure the speed of the players in the NFL is a lot different. So I don't think that he's going to have as much of an impact as what a lot of people have. And just like we talked with Sony about Sony Michelle, I think just the fantasy industry, fantasy Twitter as a whole, overreacts a little bit too much to injuries. I, I think Todd Gurley's going to end up being fine and be a little bit of a value, probably where he's being drafted. I think he should outperform his ADP, and, and I think Henderson's not going to be quite the, the, the running back that a lot of other people are, are projecting him to be. So I, I'm a little bit lower on him than what his ADP is. I'm willing to miss out on him and, and on a lot of drafts. So.
0: Any thoughts there, Andrew?
1: Yeah, I'm with Scott. I think I'm okay with missing out on him. I think he's going a lot higher than um, I'm comfortable taking him. But look, I mean, I had him at you know, 44 for a reason. I think it's going to be interesting to see how his preseason kind of finishes up because you know they have a guy over there, Malcolm Brown, who could really fill in just fine for Todd Curley if needed. I think I think Henderson was kind of just an upside play from them, and just just in case Gurley's knee was gonna um, you know keep bothering him. But look, I, I think we'll talk about it a little bit you know later in the show. I think Gurley could end up being just fine. That's what people are indicating, and I just I think Henderson is just this guy you're gonna take if he falls to a certain point, and there's no one else on the board you want because you know like it or not, if Henderson is right and if he is a decent running back. I know we just argued about system and, you know, talent and all this stuff. But, look, I mean, Henderson could be a top-12 running back if, if that Rams offense is what it is and there's no tied Gurley. So I, just, I think it's just kind of an upside pick and someone you're just going to stash and, you know, you're just going to use if Gurley isn't right.
0: So anybody else within this range that either of you guys would like to touch on?
2: Yeah, I think there's one name that sticks out, and I i know Andrew will probably back me up on this, but I'm really interested in Matt Breda. I think Matt Breda showed a lot last year in that San Francisco offense as far as w- what he could do, and I think he really has the respect of that coaching staff and his teammates because he played through a ton of injuries last year and was out there week in and week out. I rode him on a couple of teams, and, and he helped me get into the playoffs And when I had some injuries to Leonard Fournette and a, a few other guys, so... I think in that offense I think there's a role there for Matt Breda uh, you know Tevin Coleman's been banged up and he's had some injuries Jerick McKinnon's still dealing with knee issues so I, I think Breda is probably the guy that this coaching staff may be the most comfortable with whenever it comes to to the season and you start having some of the injuries and some of the the, you know, just things that happen during the season. I think Breda is just being way undervalued right now. When you start looking at, at some of the ADP and things, and you know, he's a guy that I want. I think when you start talking about these players outside of the top forty, and we'll get into to that a little bit later with some of our picks that could could really outperform their their ADP. I, I think Breda's a, a prime prospect to do that.
1: The most talented running back in San Francisco,
0: and we'll talk about him later.
2: <laughs> okay.
0: Okay, we'll move on here. So we'll touch on running backs 39 to 30. Starting at 39, we have Darius Geis. Moving on up, we have Dion Lewis, Naeem Hines, LaShawn McCoy, Rashad Penny, Lamar Miller, Miles Sanders, Austin Eckler, Duke Johnson, and Tevin Coleman. So one of the guys I want to touch on here first is going to be Miles Sanders, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. There's been a lot coming out, a lot of praise about him in training camp. Uh, He's had a great training camp. But the thing about the Philadelphia Eagles is we've got Doug Peterson, who loves to use a running back by committee. They traded for Jordan Howard. So we've got Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders, still got Wendell Smallwood, lingering around with Corey Clement and uh out of these guys I I really like to see Miles Sanders step it up but do we see do we see Doug Peterson eventually maybe taking the reins off and allowing Miles Sanders to just take control of that backfield Andrew you got him at 34 I have him at 33 Scott's highest on him at 30 so let's start with you Scott
2: I mean, we, we touched on Doug Peterson using a running back by committee. I think that's out of necessity. We start looking at a Jay Ajayi who's bone-on-bone bone used up. He's not even on a roster right now. And you got Corey Clement, Josh Adams, Wendell Smallwood, and, and the list goes on. You just start naming the guys that have run there. I think that's been a necessity thing. And, and we're talking about a, a guy in Miles Sanders who – you know, at Penn State, had to sit behind Saquon Barkley for two years. And then when he got his chance, he proved that he could be a bell cow running back. You know, I think the athletic measurables are there. The production was there when he actually got the chance to take over for Saquon. And all the things that are coming out of camp are, are just glowing about him. And his his primary roadblock to, to becoming a bell cow three down running back is Jordan Howard, who's been... Just kind of a, a a jag, just another guy for the lack of a better term. And for me, I think Miles Sanders is a guy who may start off slow the first four to six weeks, but I think once he takes over, you've got a highly potent Philadelphia Eagles offense. You start looking at the other weapons on there. The offensive line's good. Everything is there for him to be one of these guys that takes over, you know, week six to eight somewhere in that range and down the stretch. He's absolutely one of the guys I have on my list as a league winner. Miles Sanders is a guy that I'm targeting in almost all of my drafts because I think that much of him, I think, uh, you know, I, I have him ranked where I do because I think it's going to take a little while. I think initially he's going to be splitting some carries with Jordan Howard until they get things figured out. But I think once he takes over, he's going to be clearly the the lead back there. And I think he's going to be put, put up some explosive numbers on a week-to-week basis once he gets his chance.
1: Yeah, I'm with Scott here. I think talent level... Is out of control with Miles Sanders. I think you look at him at Penn State. You're really kind of wowed that he, he he didn't start. But I mean, I guess you look at Saquon Barkley and you're like, okay, well, I get it. But Miles Sanders is great. Um, I, I really expect him to be one of the more talented running backs out of this rookie class. But kind of, I'm with Scott here, and I have him this low just because I think it's going to take a while for him to get there. And also, I'm not as convinced as Scott is on the fact that Peterson is willing to go with a run run one running back backfield. So. I just, you know, we look, you look back to Peterson's time in, um, in Kansas City, and you know, it was now it was towards the tail end of Jamal Charles's years, so I think it might be unfair to judge him on that. But, you know, I think you saw him use Spencer Ware out there. And I think, I just, I'm not fully convinced that you're going to see Miles Sanders get a lot of work, um, you know, and be features that back. But look, again, we've seen guys like Alvin Kamara, um, you know, live off of. 15-ish touches a game and finishes as a top 12 running back. So, I mean, look, really great offense, easy schedule. I mean, Miles Sanders could have 15 touches a game and still finish as a top 20 running back, uh, maybe even top 15. So I like Penny a lot. I think, like Scott said, if you go true 0RB, I think Sanders is someone who you'd probably be excited with as uh, one of your starting running backs.
0: So I want to talk about these next two guys together. We had the Duke Johnson trade to the Houston Texans, and then we've got Lamar Miller there, who's still slated as the uh, number one running back, to say the least. Lamar Miller's probably been one of the more boring running backs in the league over the past uh, couple of years. Now that we got Duke Johnson there, it seems to bring a little bit of excitement. I'm a little higher on uh, Lamar Miller and a little lower on Duke Johnson than both of you guys. And the reason I believe I have that as right now is because Lamar Miller is still, as of now, the number one back in that backfield. Now, we could expect Duke Johnson to take over, but we've never really seen Duke Johnson in that type of role. So I'm a little hesitant as far as moving either guy, like uh, moving Lamar down or or Duke Johnson up. In that aspect am I am I way off here? Is there something I'm not seeing that you guys are seeing? Uh, tell me about it. Uh, Andrew, let's start with you
1: I just think Duke is incredibly talented I, th- I think we haven't seen him in this lead downs role, but again, we're seeing it in fantasy and just like I said, I think You don't have to you don't have to have this lead back role to be a top running back in fantasy I think, you know, you see it with James White last year was running back 10 again You saw it with Alvin kamara You've seen a lot of guys, especially in PPR leagues, really finish as top 10 running backs, top 15 running backs, just really off of these 15 touches a the game. I think Johnson is someone who could be a starting wide receiver in the NFL. I think the guy is an incredibly talented route runner. He's an incredibly talented uh, you know, uh, catcher of the football. I just think he's talented all around. And I think if Bill O'Brien can honestly use him correctly, it could be someone who could first onto the scene this year. I, what I love about Duke Johnson is that, again, I'm getting this guy. You're getting this guy for free. I mean, I, I haven't met running back 29. Scott's going to running back 28. But his current ADP was 55. Now, this might have been the ADP when he was in Cleveland. But even if it spiked up, it probably spiked up 15 spots. I mean, this is someone who will go off the board around running back 40, and I think it's just someone that you can get at a great value and it's worth the risk. I think this is a, a type of player that Deshaun Watson – could incredibly just benefit from. I think this is someone you could move in the slot. You can have him out of the shotgun a lot. And look, I think he's untapped potential as a runner as well. So I think you go back and you watch Duke Johnson tape and you realize how talented this guy was in such a short amount of playing time that he received. And uh, I kind of feel good that Scott's got him ranked around me. Scott, um, do you kind of agree with the uh, fact that Duke just hasn't really gotten the look that he deserved to get in his uh, short career?
2: Well, I think one of the things you have to look at when when we start talking about Duke Johnson is how efficient he's been throughout his career. If we look take a look at playerprofiler.com, production premium last year, he was the running back five. Yards per touch over the last three or four years, he's been ranked top, the top running back. So from an efficiency standpoint, it's there. But when we start looking at things, he was criminally underused last year in Cleveland, but you know 2017 he had 74 receptions and almost 700 yards and he you know both of the years before that was over 500 yards receiving, with around 350 yards rushing is what he's pretty much produced. We've seen what Lamar Miller does as the lead back. He's been bland to, to, to put it the best. Um, I mean, he, he's good for about 1,100 yards, but that's about it. You're not getting any break-off long runs. You're not getting great, great production there in the passing down. He's getting just enough for for what you know the playing time he's had, and he just hasn't had any type of competition really for, for his touches. I think we talk about it a lot the cream rises to the top and I just flat out think Duke Johnson is a better running back Even if he doesn't take a traditional lead back role. I think he's vastly superior in the passing game I really like this this Houston offense as far as what they're gonna put up and I, I think there's a, a role for him to operate in, in the the within that that short to intermediate passing game. And I think he's a mismatch. And I think they're going to use him as such. And I I think you're going to see an added dimension to that Houston offense this year, which is part of the reason why I have Deshaun Watson so high. And I just think whenever it comes down to it, I'm going to go ahead and rank Duke Johnson over Lamar Miller because I'm that confident that he's a more talented back than Lamar Miller.
1: I think you have to look at it as well as, you know, this kind of goes back to the Carlos Hyde thing I'm saying is that in fantasy – It's kind of volume is everything. And I think if you have a offense that you think is going to be as great as a one Kansas City as in Houston, if you think that offense is going to be good, take these skill players in that offense because they are going to have more opportunities at targets. They're going to have more opportunities in the red zone. They're just going to have more opportunities overall to put up fantasy points. And I think that's what you have to look for in fantasy.
2: And another thing with that Houston offense and Bill O'Brien at head coach, you know They've been in a top 12 as far as plays called and and pace, you know And for a while since he's been there at coach So I think when you start looking at that offense the fact that they're running more plays I think there's definitely a spot for for Duke Johnson to to succeed So it'll be interesting to see exactly how many touches he gets, but he's definitely somebody that I'm buying
0: now with the um... Melvin Gordon news. I know Scott, you said you moved him down quite a bit in your rankings. Austin Eckler stands out here. Is this a guy, if you're moving Melvin Gordon down, I think, what would you move into 24? Is that what you moved?
2: Him? Yeah, yeah. You moved I'm him down to down 24.
0: So if you're moving him down that far, a guy like Austin Eckler, uh, what does that do for you? I mean, you've got him ranked at thirty-three, so it's it seems like you're almost in question about that entire backfield for now. Well, give me a little more into that.
2: Well, for me, I have him at thirty-three, but I think when you start looking at that at that roster, I don't think Eckler's role really changes. Everybody just assumes that he's just going to take over this high volume, you know, production and, and a, a big amount of carries. He's still a little bit of a smaller guy. You know they they had the running back there out of Northwestern State that played a little bit last year. I, I just think those this that role gets split up. I think Austin Eckler is going to be, you know what he what he's been in the last couple of years. I think he's a good change of pace back, but I, I I just can't move him that much. And even his ADP right now, he's coming off as the running back thirty three. So even where I have him ranked, I, it's right in line with where his ADP is. So I, I feel like I have him ranked accordingly. And, and both of you guys have him ranked at 31, which is two spots ahead. So if you want to bump him up there, I have no issues with it. I, I just think for his ADP, I'm not staying away from him. I'm not specifically like targeting him. He's just a guy that if he falls in the right range and a, a draft breaks the the certain way, I'm comfortable taking him. But when I start looking at him, I, I'm more comfortable. I, I'd rather Duke Johnson than, than Austin Eckler. And you still have to start looking if you're projecting Austin Eckler to – to get those carries and get that increased workload. What happens when Melvin Gordon comes back if it's at week eight and he has to play those minimum games to get to free agency?
0: Andrew, any thoughts here on the Austin Eckler situation?
1: Yeah, it's something um, you know, Scott put some uh you gotta put some respect on Justin Jackson's name because I think he he's an interesting prospect out there in uh in Los Angeles. I mean you look at it, he's getting back from his teammates. Melvin Ingram actually came out today uh, and said he's going to be an elite running back in the NFL. Could just be teammates typing him up. But look, Justin Jackson looked well last year, and he looked really good in the preseason uh, opener. He scored a touchdown, had a nice little run. I think he ran for 22 yards, five carries. Justin Jackson is, is a pretty good talent. I think he could burst into Eckler's um, production. Uh, I think Eckler's... You have to look at Eckler last year. He graded really well. I think that was the thing that really shocked people i remember pro football focus profiling eckler was one of the highest grade running backs and people were like oh crap you know austin eckler is this dude's elite i mean at the end of the day he's a small running back who had some fluky plays uh you know i benefited a lot from Eckler last year in fantasy but the mat- fact of the matter is there were some fluky downfield plays that he yeah, had scored on and i just I-, I don't know i'm just i'm not really super bought into the fact that if melvin gordon holds out eckler is going to be this top PPR running back I just I see split time with Justin Jackson and I see an offense that can easily easily throw the ball as much as they want if they really want to Hunter Henry Mike Williams Keenan Allen I think they could really do what they want in the passing game so Austin Eckler someone who I think I feel comfortable with keeping him in that 30th overall range at running back and I also think he's a guy who people are drafting because they think that they're getting this Melvin Gordon type production and, not, and I'm seeing people reach for him in draft so I'm really probably not going to have a lot of Eckler just because I think Jackson's going to cut into him, and I think people are going to overdraft him.
0: Yeah, so we've talked a little bit. We talked about Matt Breida, mentioned some Tevin Coleman in there. We touched on Sean McCoy when we talked about Devin Singletary. Deion Lewis is an interesting one here in that Tennessee Titans offense. Uh, just noticed here, Scott, you have him at 35, I have him at 38, and Andrew, you have him at 42. They've been talking about using Derrick Henry a lot more in that offense, and we noticed that Deion Lewis fell off quite a bit last season. What do we really see out of that backfield for the Tennessee Titans this season? Do we, do we have any real high hopes for that at all? Scott, I'm going to start with you since you're the highest on him.
2: Yeah, I like what Deion Lewis has to offer. You looked at what he did with, with the Patriots. Last year, look, it was a clusterfuck at quarterback for for Tennessee Titans last year. So when you start factoring in what Deion Lewis's role is in that passing game and the way they did towards the back half switch to Derrick Henry, it's understandable that his, his year last year wasn't what you expected it to be for where he was getting drafted. When we start talking about guys like Austin Eckler that we just had, when I'm looking at Eckler and, and he's going in, in that range of 33 and then I start looking a little bit later down, I'm talking a whole round later that I could get Deion Lewis. He's a guy that I'm willing to target and pass up for Eckler. I think the I think he's going to still have the passing down role. Derrick Henry hasn't proven to be a, a superior receiving back whatsoever. He's already banged up in, in the preseason as it is. And, you know, he was reported in a walking boot. I don't think that, that Derrick Henry's injury prone by any any stretch of the imagination. I, I, I don't buy into that, but he does have an upright running style and he is a big target for some of these guys to to go ahead and hit. With that being said, I, I just think Tennessee's offense is gonna be better than what it was last year. And I think you're gonna see more opportunity and more efficiency from Deion Lewis as far as like getting the ball out in space and being able to utilize him as a passing back where last year with the the merry-go-round they had it running back it just wasn't wasn't able to get it going so Deion lewis is a guy i'm comfortable with as a satellite back i think he's got some upside and has an opportunity to outperform his adp
1: you know i just i really don't care much for Deion lewis at all i think i i guess i should rephrase that so that I don't care for Dion Lewis, the player, I just really don't care for that offense. I think Scott, said clusterfuck at quarterback, I think the better way to describe it is the Tennessee Titans are a consistent clusterfuck. I, I think to, to, to trust anyone in that offense is beyond me. I have Derrick Henry, the lowest out of all of us. I have met running back 27. I, I don't want anything to do with any of these guys. I think to trust Marcus Mariota is laughable at this point. To trust... Derrick Henry is ballsy, I think, to trust Deion Lewis in that offense. I mean, you look, you look at a guy like Deion Lewis, uh, you know, you look at the years of Darren Sproles uh, that were that had fantasy relevance. Look at Austin Eckler, these PPR backs, these pass catching backs, they do so well in these offenses because they're offenses that they get chances in the red zone, they 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 pass the ball a lot, they move the ball a lot, they get these guys options. The Titans are not looking to do that. They're gonna try to rely on Derrick Henry. And if they can't rely on Derrick Henry, what are they going to do? Are they going to try to pass the ball a lot? I mean, it's just – I don't like the situation for Deion Lewis. He caught 60 balls last year. He found the end zone, I think, twice. It uh, yeah, might even be low on that. He might have been in the end zone once. He was either once or twice. I mean, it's just – I just – I don't really want any Deion Lewis. I just – I don't see anything from that offense that really drives me to believe that Deion Lewis is someone who you can start, you know, at all times. We drafted Deion Lewis high last year because we were thinking – Cream rises to the top. He's going to go to Tennessee, and he's going to be awesome. Well, that wasn't the case. I mean, people thought last year that Deion Lewis was going to be the lead back. They thought that he was going to be talented enough to take it from Derrick Henry. He couldn't do that, and he just proved to be this guy who catches dump-offs from Marcus Mariota who is a dumpster fire in his own right. So I know it sounded awful. If you're a Tennessee Titans fan, I'm sorry, but, you know, it, it sucks that you're a fan of that team, so sorry. <laughs>
0: wow. All right. Anybody else in this range you guys want to talk about?
2: Yeah, I think uh, one of the players we should kind of hit on is, is Darius Geis. You know, he got hurt oh. last year in preseason, and a lot of people were were high on him. And I actually think he's being overdrafted and, and overvalued right now there in, the, in that Washington Redskins offense. And Trent Williams is nowhere in sight and supposedly never going to play for the Redskins again. They still don't have the quarterback situation worked out. So I, I don't think that offense is going to move the ball a lot Chris Thompson's role is pretty much set in stone. He's going to be that receiving back. And for a team that I see playing from behind a lot this season, you're talking about Darius Geis coming off an injury and probably splitting carries with Adrian Peterson. So... You know, I, I see him going off the board a little bit earlier than what I would consider him, and I think he's a player that that's going to end up disappointing some people for where he gets drafted. Right now, he's sitting there at, at running back thirty-two. I think we all have him ranked lower than that. Um, I, I have him at thirty-nine, and I thought I was pretty low on him. But you know, Andrews got him at forty-three. I, I'm an LSU alum, and I'm this low on Darius Geis, even though I, I like him as a player. So I just don't think this year is going to be the year to go ahead and bank on him.
1: Yeah, that offense is going to suck in general. And then you add in the fact that they have Adrian Peterson, who basically, if you had to say, Darius Geis, who do you want to be in your NFL career? could be Adrian Peterson. I mean, the guy runs hard like AP did. And it's just they're the same running back in this bad offense. I just don't don't want any Darius Geis at all. If if I'm in a dynasty league or keeper league, most likely, he might have been kept following last year, but I just—I don't want any guys. I'm just in redraft. I will not have any shares of Darius guys.
0: All right. Anybody else here, guys? You want to want to touch on?
1: I'm good.
2: Now let's get uh, let's get into the the meat and potatoes of drafts right here. The the players that are going to make and break some teams.
0: All right. So here we go. Let's see. We're going from 29 to 20 here. At twenty nine, we have Latavius Murray moving on up. We have Tariq Cohen, Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay, Kenyon Drake, David Montgomery, Derek Henry, Sony Michelle, Chris Carson, and Damian Williams. So starting off in this area, guys, um, one guy I wanted to look at here real quick, mainly because Scott, you and Andrew are are pretty separated on this one here as far as mark ingram in that baltimore ravens backfield they've got justice hill there uh, lamar jackson is going to be doing a lot of running in that offense as well how much how much volume do we actually think we're going to see mark ingram get in this offense and andrew you're the lowest on them so let me start with you
1: yeah, um, I mean the appeal to Mark Ingram is simple. I mean, for starters, he starts off with a great schedule. I think um, you look at as another zero RB strategy, or zero wide, uh, yeah, well, no, yeah, excuse me, zero running back strategy. I think um, someone like Mark Ingram is someone you should target, but I'm just not super high on him because I'm getting flashbacks to Alec Collins. Um, I mean, like it or not, Alec Collins was a disaster last year. He was going in the third round of drafts. Um, and I just, I see that type of, that type of, uh, that type of, that type of uh, thing happening again. I mean, I just, I don't know how productive Mark Ingram can be in an offense that is not as powerful as Drew Brees' offense. I, I mean, look, they're going to be set up nice to run the ball. We got a good offensive line. I'm probably going to move them up a little bit. I think 30 might be too low. But look, I'm not going to put him above Latavius Murray. I'm super high on Latavius Murray. We can get to that in a little bit, but I just, I'm not really feeling it with Ingram. I'm just worried about that offense. I'm worried about someone like Justice Hill, which I made a joke with Scott about earlier. But look, Justin Hill has a lot of talent and he could be someone who could run really well with what they're trying to do over there, especially with Lamar Jackson. I'm sure you're going to see a lot of read options out there. So I just don't like where I think that offense is going to go. I think Lamar Jackson is going to run like a running back this year at times. I think Justice Justice Hill, you know, kind of, Fits more in line with what they're going how they're gonna try to run that offense, and I think Gus Edwards is gonna have a small role. So I think I just, I'm just not really seeing it with Mark Ingram, and I just, I don't know how much of a, uh, how how much of a, a real impact he's gonna have uh, for fantasy owners.
2: Yeah, and I I tend to disagree a little bit. I mean, he, he's been splitting carries there in, in New Orleans with Alvin Kamara the last few years, and I, I just think now he has the chance to to be that, that featured running back that he, he never really was in New Orleans. He's 29 years old, but he's never had more than 230 carries in a season, so there's not— there's not the tires aren't like just run down it's not a a normal 29 year old running back i think when you start giving him the opportunity to catch some balls i don't have the specific numbers but i know when you have a running quarterback the the running backs tend to to have a a little bit inflated yards per carry so i I think you'll have some a little bit more efficiency than than what he's had even you know with with new orleans i I just think the opportunity is there you know, last year he, he missed some games due to suspension and whatnot, but we, we start talking about 2017. He had 1,124 yards on 12 touchdowns. We start looking at 2016. He went over a thousand yards, had six touchdowns, you know, 46 and 58 receptions in both of those years. I think we can have similar numbers to those. So I, I think he's a he's a shoe-in for at least 30 catches. You know, I, I think he's I look at him, and when I start projecting out, like where where I have him, I think he's going to have just over a thousand yards and about seven or eight touchdowns. So add in another thirty receptions and another touchdown or two. I, I think Mark Ingram's going to be a, a decent value for for where he's at. So I, I'm pretty high on him. I, I think Latavius Murray is going to do well as well. So I, I think. There's a lot of guys in this range where if if you go wide receiver early, you can still get a decent running back, and I think Mark Ingram, I'm more than comfortable drafting him as a running back too on one of my rosters.
1: I just I just don't see how you know you look at a guy, especially in PPR like Tariq Cohen, even Kenyon Drake. I just don't see how you can expect Ingram to really finish above those guys. I mean, I know, look, I mean, I, I know the the I mean the, the answer to maybe you know, Miami is, it's Miami and who knows what that offense is going to be. But I mean, I just, I see so much going on. And I, I think to assume that Ingram is going to be catch 30 plus balls. I don't know about that. I just, I do not know how this offense is going to run. And I can just, I see a fast paced, I see at times they could be a fast paced offense. I don't see Ingram seeing the field much. I mean, I I think I just I don't I don't see the upside there with Ingram. I see the floor. I I, I see a floor. I think I look at a guy like Kenyon Drake. I look at Philip Lindsay. I look at uh, okay. Put it this way: Drake, Lindsey, Latavius Murray. I can I can see Ingram having a higher floor, but ceiling wise, I just don't see it at all. I don't see the ceiling there for Ingram at all.
2: And, and a 29-year-old running back's not always going to have the ceiling that you want. But when you start talking about where he's being drafted, I, I just think he's a value to outperform his ADP. I, I think the the production history is there. I actually like him in that Baltimore offense and how he's going to gonna fit in in that offense. I think when you start talking about a guy like Tariq Cohen, Tariq Cohen's a pocket knife. You know, they, they use him all over the place. But... I think with David Montgomery, who we're going to talk about in a little while, and then you also bring in Mike Davis from Seattle, who who caught a good bit of balls there in Seattle. I, I think Tariq Cohen has less of an opportunity to to go ahead and become a, a lead back and be a primary guy. You know, a lot of the, the word is that Mitch Trubisky's been uneven in camp at, at best. So as far as seeing Tariq Cohen having more competition than what he did last year and outperforming you know, his ADP or even Mark Ingram in, in this conversation. I, I just, I, I like Mark Ingram a little bit better here.
1: I just, I mean, I, I also think that you, you just, you, what you said was interesting too. I mean, Tariq Cohen, again, these guys don't have to be lead guys in their offenses to be top guys. I mean, look at what Tariq Cohen did last year. Look at James White last year. I mean, you see these PPR backs and they have these floors. I mean, Cohen averaged 15, 15 PPR points a game and he barely touched a thousand total yards. I mean, you just you just add in you add in 70 catches, you add in yardage after the catch. I just think some of these running backs have higher ceilings. But I mean, look, again, I get the appeal of Ingram. I get it's an easy schedule. It's a good offensive line. It's going to be a decent offense. I just I, I get it. But I just I think in a PPR league, I see a lot more players with higher upside.
2: Yeah, and as far as Tariq Cohen goes, he's just a guy that I think last year he was the number one running back as far as production premium, third in yards per touch, second in breakaway rate. You know, A lot of those those plays, he had some big plays. I just think he's a guy that's going to be due for a, a little bit of regression, especially when you look at how some of his touchdowns came. Is he going to have 89 targets again? It, it remains to be seen. How much is David Montgomery going to cut into – you know a lot of the receptions that he was getting. I, I For me, Tariq Cohen's a, a Darren Sproles clone. I just don't think he's in as good of an offense as what Sproles was during his best years. I, I worry a little bit. I'm I'm a little bit high on, on David Montgomery. I've been warming up to him, and then I, I I'm actually higher on Mike Davis than what consensus probably is. I, I think he's going to be another guy who who dips into to some of this action and. And I just wonder how much that Chicago offense is going to take that next step that everybody's waiting for. So, with that being said, I'm just a little bit more comfortable, like you said, maybe with the floor of what Mark Ingram brings in that Baltimore offense.
1: I can, so, I, I can, I can agree to that. Sorry, Kilby, I was literally just talking to agree with Scott instead of just letting you go.
0: So, <laughs> you're good. You're point good. guard I've, us up, Kilby. We, 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 we've just we we've touched on quite a few guys here already. And honestly, the way you guys have been going at it, I'm not sure which one to bring up first. So I'm just going to go ahead and start with uh, these Chicago running backs right now since we just uh, since you just hit on them pretty good with David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen. I just want to go ahead and lump those two guys together because we've got them within five spots of each other. So Tariq Cohen last season finished as the running back 11. Yet yeah, this season we've got him ranked at twenty eight overall between the three of us uh that's 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 a pretty big difference from where he finished last year to where we're putting him this year and I know they just drafted David Montgomery to come in and fill in on that um Jordan Howard role where do we really see Tariq Cohen having that big of a fall off from last season to this season? Uh, Andrew you're the highest on him Scott uh, you're next with 27 I'm at 30 I just saw what happened last season as far as him dropping off towards like he was really hot at the beginning of the season then I saw him drop off towards the end of the season I'm starting to question where I haven't ranked right now so I'm going to toss it to you guys and see what you yeah. have to say uh, let me start with you Andrew
1: I mean, it's possible, but again, I mean, I, I just like I was just saying to Scott, I think these guys in PPR leagues, I think they have a de- decent floor. I think their roles are solidified. And while yeah, Tariq Cohen or Trubisky might be all over the place, Trubisky isn't going to be all over the place enough to not dump the ball off to Tariq Cohen. I think what Cohen stuck out to me last year is he impressed me a lot in the run game. I think you know his his rookie year, he averaged four yards a carry. And it was kind of like, okay, well. You know, he, he had a good year. And then last year, he backed it up again. I, I know it was a small sample size, but the guy is a good running back. And I think in PPR leagues, he is dropping. And he is just dropping because people are just kind of like, whatever. I mean, look, it's so easy to look at these guys, these PPR backs, and say, it's kind of like almost a Julian Edelman effect, right? You think of Julian Edelman as this guy who's just going to catch a bunch of balls and he's not going to be super, you know, razzle dazzle. He's not going to have these big weeks, but. These are guys who just consistently put up, and I think they have high floors. And I think while I don't expect Cohen to be this top 12 running back again, I think he's got a floor of, he's really got a floor of top 26-ish, and I think he's got a ceiling of top 12. I, I think Cohen is a phenomenal fallback, and again, a guy who I'm not scared of if I'm going wide receiver, wide receiver. These guys are just emphasizing what we said at the beginning of the show. I think do not be afraid to take these running backs as your first guys, because I think they're all super talented and they have this ability to give you a high floor.
2: Yeah. And, I don't want it to seem like I'm shitting on Tariq Cohen at all because I actually like him a lot. I'm just a little bit more concerned about where those targets are gonna come from. I mean, last year you're talking about a banged up Allen Robinson. The the wide receiver core itself was banged up. I just think he's gonna have more competition for targets in the passing game, which is where he does the majority of his work. You know, can he break those long runs? Yes. And he, he did last year, and that's why I, I project him to have some regression coming in a touchdown department. This year, so for me, I just think he he played a little bit over his head. He was the most efficient running back in the NFL last year. Bring in Mike Davis. You bring in David Montgomery, and I, what concerns me with the upside is where the volume is going to come. I mean, we start talking about David Montgomery, and if David Montgomery plays to where we have him ranked, then. It, I can see Tariq Cohen falling. It's not that I'm scared to draft him. I, I just I, I don't expect him to put up the the same stats he did from a volume perspective of last year. But I, I'm still excited to to get him if he falls and if the, you know if the draft breaks the right way and my roster construction deems drafting a player like him.
0: And what do you guys think about David Montgomery, the rookie coming in here, filling in that uh, Jordan Howard role? a bruiser of a back come in and, and take draw. He can also catch passes as well. Do we see him eating into Tariq Cohen's situation at all, Scott?
2: Yeah. I think David Montgomery is going to come in. He's going to take that early down roll. I think when you start talking about Mitch Trubisky not excelling and not taking that next step the way he, they, they hoped for him to be, I think David Montgomery can be that safety valve to where let's go ahead and lean on our defense and let's let David Montgomery slow this game down, especially if Trubisky's having accuracy issues. They just had came out with a report this week that they're they're scaling back some of the playbooks so that he could process things better. So it, it, it's interesting. Just to me, it seems like things are, are going more Towards a defense and a, a run-specific oriented, you know, game plan as far as Chicago goes, which that's why I, I have concerns about Tariq Cohen's, you know, production being limited a little bit. But David Montgomery is a guy who can do everything. You know, I think he's a much better back than what Jordan Howard was there in Chicago last year. He can catch the ball now. He didn't test as well as you had hoped, in at the combine, it wasn't as fast, you know, in the 40s what you had what you had hoped. But I, I think for what Chicago has and the way that team is set up, they have a solid offensive line. I like where David Montgomery is at. I think the volume, you know, as far as being at least the first two downs and his passing down role is going to cut into Tariq Cohen a little bit on third down. I like where David Montgomery's is at. I expect him to be a top 24 running back.
1: Scott, do you know who his best comparable player is? Oh
2: God, is it Kareem Hunt?
1: Carlos Hyde, buddy. Oh, Carlos God. Hyde. <laughs> no, but look, I, I think um I think to Kilby, what Kilby was saying is I don't think I think Tariq Cohen is the type of player like a James White. And I keep I keep saying James White. I'm obsessed with James White. I think he's someone who could who could really coexist with a running back. And I think David Montgomery is like Scott mentioned, is a better Jordan Howard. He's someone who can really play a factor in the passing game. I think you look at he he had almost a 40-catch season at Iowa State one year, and I think at the college level, if you're catching 25 balls as a running back in a season, you're doing pretty well in that department, and he he pretty much did that twice. So David Montgomery is someone value-wise I'm loving. I think he looked phenomenal in his debut. Matt Nagy has been raving about him all year. Montgomery was one of my favorite running backs coming out of the draft. Um, I just – I'm really interested in David Montgomery, and I think he's someone who – is going to have a nice role. I think Cohen's going to have his role, and I think Montgomery's going to have his role. So I think it's going to be fine, and uh, I wouldn't be scared off by Tariq Cohen. I, I, think, I think those two can coexist.
2: Yeah, one of the things I look at with David Montgomery, you know, talking about him, right now he's coming off the board as a running back 26, pick 60. So that's the end of the fifth round. So potentially, if you went right out the gate, zero RB— David Montgomery at the end of that that fifth round could be your your running back one that you're looking at. So if you can follow him up with some guys like Kenyon Drake and, and Tevin Coleman and Miles Sanders, you know we talked about it earlier, but that's that right there. David Montgomery is the type of guy that can be your your bell cow in a zero RB setup.
1: Now I want to I want to I want to steal this from I'm going to steal the host duty for one second from Kilby because I want to bring this up. And I want to know if I'm crazy. And I'm going to start with Kilby because Kilby, I want to hear your take on it. Um, Latavius Murray, we have him ranked in the same range. I have him as running back 28. I can tell you right now, when I first did my rankings, I had him as 24. I had to get talked off the ledge. I think, you know, we're going to do a bold prediction show and I'm going to give you guys a sneak peek. I think my bold prediction is going to be Latavius Murray is a top 15 running back this year. Kilby, is that, pretty, is that insane?
0: I don't think it's insane. I mean, a lot of the word out of camp is that uh, Alvin Kamara's role isn't going to change as much. That they're you know still not going to put that heavy of a load on him. But at the same time, I still, I still see, I still see Kamara getting more carries than what he was getting with Ingram in the, uh, that backfield with him. Now Latavius is a he's a talented back. I mean, he put up 578 yards last year with six touchdowns. Had 22 receptions for 141 yards. So I mean, he can't catch the ball. It's not necessarily the guy you want catching the ball. So yeah, I mean, I, I, it's. I would say that if Alvin Kamara potentially suffered an injury, and God, I don't want to say that because I like to take him in a lot of my leagues, but if something like that happened, I could definitely see Latavius stepping up and potentially getting up into that top 15 without a Kamara injury. I don't, I don't think. I I, I just can't say it. I I, the, I don't think I can say it.
1: And, and that's fair because that's how people are going to look at it. I'm going to throw this to Scott after. But just keep this in mind, people. This is everyone listening, and you guys keep this in mind. And I'm sure you remember, Mark Ingram is a guy who averaged 2014 15 points, 15 points per game in fantasy, 17 points per game in 2015, 2016 15 points per game, 2017 17 points per game. I think, look, you're bringing in someone who is taking that rollover. We drafted Mark Ingram as high as the third round um in drafts. You know, I think last year even with the suspension Mark Ingram was going in the beginning of the 4th round. People were taking him early cuz they knew the upside there. Latavius Murray is stepping into the Mark Ingram role. He it's literally not changing. Is he as talented as Mark Ingram? No, probably not. But you're looking at a guy who's going to have the potential to get I think it's it's not out of the realm possibility that Latavius Murray could score double digit touchdowns total. I think this is a guy who could easily fall face first into 30 catches. I think it's just possible. You saw it if you watched the preseason game, Latavius Murray looked heavily involved with that offense. He caught a few passes. He cut up field. He looked great. I know he's an upright runner. I know Scott isn't, you know, fond of those guys, but I think Latavius Murray steps into this offense. They're gonna demand he is going to touch the ball 10 to 15 times a game. And I think that's someone who, again, you mentioned it, going zero. Man, I'm talking myself into never drafting a running back in the first two rounds. But I think Latavius Murray has has a lot of upsides. I think just because he's not Mark Ingram does not mean he can't fill that role. We remember how good Ingram was, Scott. Do, do you think Latavius Murray can really be a, a good fantasy option this year?
2: Look, I think you... Ticket Latavius Murray in for about 15 touches a game in the Saints offense. And we talk about the Sean Payton effect. His running backs have been in the top five over the last however many years as a, as a group. So I think it's perfectly okay to to be that high on Latavius Murray. I think it you don't want to see Kamara go down. But let's face it, Kamara is not the biggest of backs. And with the volume and stuff that, it, that it happens... If he were to go down, I think Latavius Murray is a borderline running back one. You know, I I don't have him projected to be a a top 24 running back, but he has that upside in that offense. I think, you know, he has the, the upside that you look for in a zero running back you know, set up if, if you decide to go with that strategy. So he's a guy that that I'm I'm happy to target as a running back three. I think he has the the upside to be more than that. You know, if it allows it, I think he can go ahead and put up the the touches and, and especially the touchdowns in a in an offense that scores a lot of points. And you're starting to see, you know, the passing options you know dialed down. You know, Drew Brees didn't go over four thousand yards last year, so I think you start looking at some things. And as this. This offense kind of becomes a little bit more run heavy. I think Latavius Murray is a guy that can definitely benefit.
1: Now, would you have projected Mark Ingram last year if he was playing all sixteen games? I'm sure you would have projected him as a top twenty-four running back, right? Yeah, I would have. I mean, it's the it's this. I mean, it, it's just, it's just, I, mean it, I mean, I know the talent level's not there, but I mean, right? Like, why why would we have projected Mark Ingram to be a top twenty running back last year, but not Latavius Murray this year? I mean, I think having him as low as twenty-eight. Is is I mean I mean that's that's where I have him, but I almost think it's criminal to go below that. I think he's got that potential to be a top twenty-four running back, right? I mean, how much how much of a difference is Latavius Murray from Mark Ingram?
2: I, I think from a talent standpoint, I, I would. Put Latavius Murray a notch below, as far as like actual running back skills. I just think Mark Ingram makes better reads. I think Latavius Murray's the more athletic guy, as far as you know, just straight up speed and, and whatnot. But I think it's going to be interesting to see exactly how he factors in. You know, you watch the preseason games to to figure these things out. But all in all, you still have to factor in Alvin Kamara. You know, we we hear things that. His role shouldn't change. That basically Latavius Murray should slide into that Ingram role. You still do have to factor, you know, how Kamara is gonna gonna go ahead and take effect. We saw how he was used last year whenever Ingram was out. So uh, look, I, I like where he slotted. I, I think it, it's more than reasonable. I have him at thirty-two because I like a, a couple of other guys a little bit better. But another preseason game or two, and I, I watch his usage, he could move up three or four spots for me. So I'm comfortable where he's at coming off the board as a running back 30 right now. So he's definitely a guy that could, could be on the move up.
0: So a guy I want to touch on here is one that made me eat a little crow last year because I, I took him in our dynasty league and then turned around and traded him immediately for a draft pick thinking that, uh, Rashad Penny was going to eventually take over that role sooner than later. and I'm talking about Chris Carson here, a guy who had 247 attempts last year for over 1,100 yards, had 20 receptions for 163 yards, and then he had nine touchdowns. Uh, finishes the 15 overall running back last season. Right now we've got him pretty even here. Uh, Andrew at 22, I'm at 21. Scott, you're at 22. Do we see that changing of the guard happening this season? So far, everything I've heard is that Chris Carson's still the dominant back in that backfield right now. So I'm going to throw it over to you, real quick, Andrew. What do you see shaping out in this backfield?
1: I, I don't see Seattle changing their offense at all. Really, I think they're going to be they're going to be a team who's going to rely on the run. And I think you look at Chris Carson; he's he's still young. He's he's a he's a great back. He was really good in the trenches last year. He was good his rookie year. I think Chris Carson, it's fair to say that he's just a good running back. I think while I expect Rashad Penny to eventually kind of not really take over, but I expect him to be a part of that offense. And again, the NFL's changed where we're seeing these these two running back back backfields. And I think Chris Carson has his role. I think he's safe. I would be shocked to see him take a step back due to talent level. I think you'd be talking injury. So... I really don't much have to say ha, I don't really have much to say on Carson except that look he's a good value and if I'm drafting in those middle rounds and I see Chris Carson there, I would not be scared off at all.
2: Yeah, for me I actually like Carson a lot. You you look at it last year and he he broke fifty tackles according to pro football focus, which led to NFL. Um one of the things I think is under looked, I, I just think people don't really think about it. We talked about a little bit on the last episode. I just don't think that Seattle's defense is going to be up to par. I think that that team is going to have to pass the ball more than what they did last year. They were NFL's most run-heavy offense last year. And I think when you factor in Rashad Penny, I think there's a role for both of these guys. And if one of them were to go down, I think either one, Penny or Carson, automatically gets vaulted into that, that running back one discussion. So I, I think when you look at it, you just had Pete Carroll and, and some, some beat reporters from Seattle saying that Chris Carson has the best hands on a team. So it'll be interesting to see. But I I actually think he'll get more passing work this year. And what you saw, we just talked about Mike Davis leaving and being in Chicago. And he was the running back that got the most passing work last year. So that third down roll is actually open. And if Chris Carson can come away with it, or even if it ends up being split, he's definitely ticketed for a little bit more work than what people are projecting.
0: So we've, we've touched on that Kansas City backfield quite a bit. Uh we got Damian Williams there sitting at twenty. We've touched on that Miami backfield with Kenyon Drake. Is there anyone else in here that I mean, is there anyone else in here that we haven't touched on previous that we should touch on again here?
2: Yeah, one of the guys I think that we really need to take a look at it, and we have him ranked at 26, and that's Philip Lindsay. So Phillip Lindsay, versus on a scene last year as an undrafted free agent. And, and basically stole the show from Royce Freeman. We talked a little bit about Royce Freeman earlier, but where a lot of people were projecting Philip Lindsey to to make that jump this year was in the passing game role. And I know they just got Theo Riddick, which kinda took some of that passing role away from Philip Lindsay, but now we're hearing that Theo Riddick's hurt. So I'm kind of stuck as to where I want to project Lindsay. I'm still gonna go ahead and and, and have him a little bit on a lower side of, of where our rankings are. I have him at thirty just because I, I think Royce Freeman is a a legitimate, viable threat, and if Theo Reddick comes back, I think that passing game role isn't going to be there. Plus, he's undersized, and plus it's the Denver's offense, so I'm just not that that excited about Joe Flacco either. I just don't know how many points this team is, is going to be able to score, which has me to lower in Lindsey I mean, just to probably five to six spots as to where he's being drafted, so he's just not a guy that I'm interested in a lot, and I'd like to hear what Andrew has to say about him.
1: Yeah, I think you have to be concerned with the wrist injury um, for starters. I think wrists are not really something to work with or not really you know something to mess with, I should say. Um, you know, look, I mean, you know, he did have a good pro day. I mean, Lindsey just, Lindsey was just kind of like, he was just completely off the grid. And then you you see this guy running around in preseason wearing a number like, well, he wore like number three. He was like, who the hell is this guy? But I mean, look, Lindsey was awesome last year. I think really every every ounce of, of play last year from Philip Lindsay was was incredible. I mean, I know it depends how much you buy into the pro football focus stuff. I mean, this is a guy who graded as high as Saquon last year. I mean, I don't. I, I look at what Lindsay did, and it's kind of hard for me to believe that it was incredibly fluky. Um, you know, in in the fantasy in my fantasy history, I've always been really worried some of these these rookie guys in that sophomore slump. I mean, you look guys like Jeremy Hill at the running back position, guys like that. I remember just wanting to stay away from year two because. I just didn't think the talent level was there, but I just look at Philip Lindsay and I look at what he did last year, and it's hard for me to believe that it was just incredibly fluky. You it might have been. I mean, the guy was a was an old rookie. I mean, he's he turned turned 25. He spent an extra year at Colorado, but I just I just it's hard to believe it was fluky for me. I think he was incredibly efficient, and I think it's someone who can really be a viable fantasy option. I mean, again, I think you're not really seeing the upside of top 12 with it with with philip lindsey but i think taking him you know around 24th overall is what i have him at i know you're lower on him scott but i think that range is fine for philip lindsey because i think you're potentially getting a a little bit of that upside at least some of that top 18 upside but i just i I just it's hard for me to believe that it was a fluke and i think that's the the main thing to focus on when talking about philip lindsey
0: So, guys, I guess we'll move on.
1: Uh, before, before we move on, I just want to say, and you guys can say yes or no, Derrick Henry's trash. Don't draft him.
2: I am not in that camp.
1: Ah, uh, you know, the dude's trash. The dude ran for 500. Derrick Henry ran for 585 yards the last four weeks of the season. 55% of his production was in the last four weeks of the season. Was that fluky or did he just decide to run people over? Like, I think he, I mean, like, right? Like, like, oh man, that dude, man, that dude. Oh man. I will never draft Derrick Henry. Go
2: ahead. Go go ahead, ahead, Kilby.
0: Well, I mean, the way I look at Derrick Henry is he's one of those guys that that you put in. He's got to get a lot of runs to wear down that defense. And once he wears down that defense, he's going to bust it wide open. So that's the way I look at Derrick Henry. Am I high on him? No, and I'm not high on that offense as a whole. But the way I see him as a runner, he's one of those guys that you have to give him those attempts to wear down that defensive line, and then eventually it's going to break down come the fourth quarter.
1: I mean, is it that easy though with Derrick Henry? I mean, do you? Because I mean, look, they were feeding him earlier in the year last year, unless unless my. And then and then on top of this, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of going all over the place because I really like I have a, I have a strong hatred for the fantasy player Derrick Henry. Real person, Derrick Henry, I probably wouldn't mess with because he'd probably beat the shit out of me. But, like, from a fantasy perspective, I just, I have, like, zero interest in Derrick Henry. I, like, I couldn't, he would have to be sitting, like, late as hell in fantasy leagues. I just, I just don't get it. I just don't buy the idea that, oh, feed him and he's going to get the work. I just, I just don't, I just don't see it at all. I mean, the dude averaged five yards per carry last year, mainly because he broke off one of the craziest runs in the history of the NFL. So, I mean, I just, I just don't get it. I just I just do not get any of the Derrick Henry love.
2: Yeah, I think you have to look at the upside though and we start talking about these guys and if that role changes a little bit, you look at what he did after week 13 last year and he averaged 26.45 PPR points per game in weeks 14 through 17. So, that's that's running he was the running back one. in in fantasy football down that stretch. So that's the type of upside that he has. Now, whether or not the Tennessee coaching staff can figure out how to use him properly to get that out of there, it's going to be interesting to see. But I think because of that upside, running back 17 is where I have him. That's that, man. Think, running back
1: 17.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think the I mean, upside's there. And I think at a minimum, I mean, I don't have them projected for like huge numbers. I have them projected for about 1200 yards r- rushing and, and double digit touchdowns with, you know, 15 to 20 receptions mixed in. But uh, I think that's the type of production. I don't think Dion Lewis is going to take over that role. I think Derrick Henry, is is, as long as he can stay healthy, he's going to finish within the top 18 running backs, whether whether it's PPR or not.
1: I mean, the guy, 17, listen to this. Against Jacksonville, we all remember it, 17 rushes for 240 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, really? I mean, really. Like, that's where his production came. Next week, he ran 33 times for 170 and two touchdowns. I mean, do we expect Derrick Henry to carry the ball? 25 times a game on average? No. I just, I don't see what Derek Henry. Look at the beginning of last season. 10 rushes the first game, 18, 18, 8 rushes, 11 rushes, 7, 12. He was all over the place. And then they decided to feed him a little bit at the end of the year. But did they really feed him? They gave him the ball 17 times against Jacksonville in a game that was a defensive battle that they needed to lead on the run. He bursted off a 99 yard run. Take that out of consideration. He ran the ball 16 times for 137
2: yards So you're telling me you're not going to take 16 carries for 136 yards from any running back you draft
1: of course I am but look at what he was doing before that he didn't run for 100 yards until that game I repeat he didn't run for 100 yards until in a game until that game against Jacksonville the guy was awful last year, and I think it was—it's it, just for me to think that in a PPR league, I'm going to take him 18th above someone like Tariq Cohen. I think that's—I think that's criminal. I think that is criminal. I, I, I think this is not a guy—I think this is a guy who they're going to try to feed 20 times a game, and just hopefully it works out. I mean, they gave him 18 carries twice before his, his outburst at the end of the year, and he, he barely touched 60 yards. I mean look, I mean in a standard league I get the appeal of Henry. I I really do. But to to just assume that last year's production is going to repeat itself, I'm just I'm not going to I I will never. I just I just I won't touch him. And if you want to make another we we can we can formulate another bet, I would love to because I just I don't see it. And then on top of this, look, I think actually okay, to to kind of get away from this guys, are you concerned about this injury because I don't know if you follow um the uh Oh man, I'm forgetting his name. I'm sorry. He's not listening to this podcast. The Fantasy Doctor on Twitter is it Doctor Chow? Is that it? Or is there's Chow, the the Hangover guy. Is it Doctor Chow?
0: I, I think you're right. The one that I think, I think uh, right. talks about s- the the sleep deprivation type thing or the rest. He, he t-
1: types. He types about. He, t- he talks about all injuries on Twitter, and he's been highlighting Derek Henry. And he said that's a concern. He thinks that's a that's an injury that could linger. And I think you add in that with the fact that. The dude is probably the most, the most up and down fantasy option we're going to see at that position. I just I can't believe Scott has him at eighteen. I just I I, I don't want anything to do with him.
2: Look, I, you know, one of the things I, I think we talk about when comparing him to a guy like Tariq and I just think you talked about it. You think they're going to give him twenty carries a game? I, I think opportunity is king when it comes to getting the ball to to fantasy running backs and how they're going to produce. And when I go and look at it, efficiency ranks. Derrick Henry was in the top five in a whole bunch of categories. Evaded tackles, top five, juke rate, you know, on down the line, yards created, yard created per carry. He was the number one running back in the NFL when running against stacked fronts last year. So I think whenever you start looking at things like that, I think that there's something there, and I think it's up to the coach and staff to get it figured out with how to get the the best out of Derrick Henry. But if you had Derrick Henry on your roster last year, you were riding him all throughout the playoffs, and he likely brought you to a fantasy football title if you were in the playoffs with him. So I, I think for me... I saw what he can do down the stretch. I, I think it was consistent enough that that sample down the stretch that the, the offseason was probably spent thinking about how to get the most out of Derrick Henry. And you know he's he's a guy that I, I think it, it is ranked accurately. You know I think when you start looking at some of the ADP and where he's going, I, I think he's a guy that he, after that first group of running backs go, I, he's right there. I mean talent wise, I I like where he's going.
1: I just, I, I think before that, before his, he probably got all his evaded tackles on that 199 yard run. Like, let's be real, right? Like, I mean, before that game, he had 470 rush yards, 130 attempts. He was averaging 3.7 yards per carry. The guy was doing nothing special. Then all of a sudden, he has this tear of a stretch. I mean, it, it's, it's easy to say that we saw Jeremy Hill go on a tear of a stretch. I could think of so many guys who have gone on stretches. Where it's like, holy crap, this dude is, is is interesting. I mean, you mentioned we saw what he can do at the end of the year. So, you know, I think they're going to do it. It's like, that's the same argument I give you for Damian Williams. You have him 25th. Damian Williams looked unstoppable at the end of the stretch. So maybe the Kansas City Chiefs spent the offseason to keep him healthy and find out how to get him, you know, a crazy stretch. I mean, Sony Michelle. I mean, guys like that, you have Derrick Henry above. And I just, I'm not getting it. I just don't get how we can look at what Derrick Henry did in four games, and really in three games. Because, I mean, honestly, like, I mean, I, I, I'll give you 20 rushes for 80 yards and a touchdown. I'll give you that. That's fine. But I just, I just, I, I don't see it. I saw, I to me, I saw two games where he was a fantasy superstar. He led people to championships because people picked him up off waivers, and they did not start him against Jacksonville. No one did. You started him the next week because you saw what he could do. I just think to think that he is a running back who deserves to be running back 18, I just... Just don't get it.
2: What league are you playing in where Derrick Henry was on waivers?
1: Shoot, I mean, come on. Look at what he was doing, Scott. He ran for four hundred yards before that game and five touchdowns. I mean, I, I mean, look, we can look into it and to see what he was ranked. There's no way he was a top 20 running back. It probably in that range, right? Like, was Derrick Henry like? Was Derrick Henry a startable option? Were you starting Derrick Henry following? Um, week four, when he had, after week four, he had 160 yards in four games and no touchdowns? Were, were you really thinking he was just going to be this guy who was going to burst onto the scene? I mean, what track record did, did we have before last year? What we had on Derrick Henry is he was always in a secondary role. And if he only, if he got that premier role from DeMarco Murray, he would be a stud. And he got it and he did nothing with it. I mean, so, I, I mean, I I can recall, it's funny because I played in a, I played a ten-team league. We saw Derrick Henry dropped um, on waivers, sitting on waivers with that point total, and so that's where I grabbed that from. But I mean, realistically, people probably saw Derrick Henry dropped. Derrick Henry was not being started. I mean, to just to, to just take to just take what he did in those last four games and put him as a starting running back, I just I don't get it. I, I mean, well, starting running back. Excuse me, you're getting all, me all hyped up, but to have him as eighteen, I just I don't get it. I don't get that four-game sample size to make him running back 18 in a ppr league i think in a standard league again i get it because i mean it's a standard league and that's what you're gonna want but in a ppr league i just i don't get it kilby please please help me anybody
0: uh, your argument's absolutely valid i mean looking at the numbers you're right i mean it wasn't until after week six where he actually started hitting double digit fantasy numbers and then he dipped back down uh weeks eleven and twelve and then it just kind of started to burst on the scene there. He had that one big week against Jacksonville, which is crazy enough. Um no, you're you're not crazy there. I just see you know I I just see him as a back that the more touches you give him, the more he's gonna to, to put I mean they never really took the leash off of him. I mean those games you saw earlier in that season he was still he still had Deion Lewis there taking touches from him. So, and plus that offense was a complete wreck. I mean, they could stack the box because the quarter, I mean, who are they afraid of? I mean, Mariota was hurt, Blaine Gabbert. No one's afraid of Blaine Gabbert. So if the offense takes a step forward, which is a big if, you know, there's potential there where Derrick Henry could put up numbers that we haven't seen from him so far. I'm not going to say that he can't, but I'm not going to rank him quite as high as what Scott has him, but, You know, you've got a valid point. The frustration is real, and you're not the only fantasy owner to to feel that. So I get it.
1: Five games last year, Derrick Henry scored under four and a half fantasy points in PPR leagues. Two more games, he scored five. Actually, three more games, he scored five fantasy points. So that is seven fantasy games where he scored under six PPR points. He scored 78 points in that two-week stretch. Scott, come on. Like, come on. Am I convincing you at all?
2: I don't know. I'll have to think about it. I'll have to watch a little bit more preseason and ponder some things, but I mean, I I just think that the coaching staff have finally figured out something with Derrick Henry, and I think that's going to carry over into this season. You're going to see more consistency. You're going to see him get the touches that he needs to get to produce. Is he a huge PPR stud? No, but I think he's going to go over 1,200 yards or 1,100 yards in that range and double-digit touchdowns. I, I just... I have more faith in Derrick Henry than what you do, sir.
1: Hey, guys. So we recorded the running backs preview as one full episode, but it went long as hell. It actually went for about four and a half hours. So what we're going to do is we're going to separate these two episodes for you just to give you a little breathing room. Now, we talked about running backs 60 through number 20, and that's kind of guys who, you know, you're not really keying in on in your fantasy league. So what we're going to do is we're going to upload this episode as one episode ending with Derrick Henry. And we're going to start next week's episode at running back 19. We're actually going to dive into these players individually so that you can have more of a grasp on them. You know, we get into some hot discussions just about, you know, our our running back number one, Saquon Barkley, so on and so forth. So look for that episode coming up next and you can follow us on Twitter at four downs pod. And we appreciate the support.